Hi, this is J-Cal for Jackass. Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and if you're viewing us on Twitch or on YouTube, obviously you can see my pals. DKM and Jaden. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Jane, how are you today? All right, we'll get back to Jaden. DK, how are you today? I'm sorry. I only talk to people who do not give in to peer pressure and do cartwheels. Hey, man, I have a reputation to see what people don't know. Down the street, but I don't think you want to, you know, match up with that. See, people don't realize that, you know, outside of this, uh, you know, cuddly exterior is the heart and the desire of a true athlete. And and in my high school days, which is now some 30 plus years ago, I wrestled, I played football, and I did track and field. Mostly field, but I did track and field. I'm pretty sure what you mean is what beats inside is the heart of a eight-year-old girl. No. No, no, because I was, I, I was a rascal. Girls and the dog that's behind me. That's who does cartwheels. No, Chris Johnson is right. I had the eye of the tiger, my friend. Don't make me pull out my old singlet and throw it on, because I will. I'll do it. I still have it. I'm not above. I'm not above uh, uh, shaming myself for stuff. Anyways, so yesterday. All right, everybody. Vote in the chat. Who wants to see Jay in his singlet next week? We're not putting that in the poll. No, absolutely no, not. Right. We're not doing that. Be a poll. Just everybody, you know, <laughs> type in there, yes or no, Jay singlet. I might get some hits on the Instagram if I did that. Or your account may get taken down. Either way. Uh, yeah, the, the YouTube channel will be gone for sure. That's no... Uh, no question about it. I see a lot of my friends here in the chat, so I want to say hi to everyone. Uh, Hello, everyone. First of all, I want to bring uh, our pal Jaden back on. Jaden, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Can you hear me now? We can. You are loud and clear. Um, awesome. I don't know what's going on. For some reason, my phone does not like StreamYard. Hmm. It happens. Um, so uh, in the uh, in the chat, we've got Willie Bowen. What's up, Willie? Of course, wrestling with the MMA, Jeremy. What's going on? Dave Scooby's in the house. Uh, Chris Drummond is here. Uh, Chris Drummond, Chris points out, Big Chris Dog points out, wow, 15 years ago today, Adam Pierce became NWA World Champion. Yeah, 15 years ago today, Adam Pierce became NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. One of the um, 
big, biggest moments for the NWA post that TNA relationship. Obviously, after Pierce won the title, uh, things went very different for the NWA. Of course, Impact uh, crowned a new champion in Kurt Angle, and uh, Adam Pierce ended up becoming the holder of the 10 pounds of gold, feuded briefly with uh, Brent Albright, then later Blue Demon Jr., and uh, and then Colt Cabana were his big uh, rivalries as world champion. And then a year, and then four years ago today, at All In, Cody Rhodes defeated Nick Aldis to win the world's heavyweight champion, and also helped usher in a new era for the NWA, um, which kind of led to a lot of excitement following uh, following All In. We got a lot more eyes on the ten pounds of gold. We started to see a lot more of the NWA. Uh, being recognized and in greater circles, and uh, that that more or less led to uh, power getting uh, fast tracked onto YouTube. Um, more of our friends, Luthez is here. Hey, Luthez, did you ever get that belt? I'm just curious. I don't know what happened. I, I, I never heard the whole story there. Um, Dodie's here. Thanks for being here, Dodie. James Bell, yeah, Cartwheel Cal. I did do the. Uh, I. I I followed through with the uh, threat from yesterday on the other Alliance guys. Uh, Chris Johnson's here. Welcome, Chris. Welcome back. Uh, he says here, Sean Mega's here. Man, you guys are all, uh, you guys showed up, and we do appreciate you being here to talk some NWA. Of course, last night, the other guys covered uh, the first night of the NWA 74th anniversary show. Tonight, we're doing double duty because we're also covering the second night of the NWA anniversary show. And power. We are. Y yeah. You sure? I mean, that was the plan. Well, you know, plans change. Well, I mean, look, we're not going to go four hours. So, you know, if we have to cut, we cut. Um, so spend more time on the pay-per-view. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I don't think anyone would have a problem with that because the pay-per-view is actually really, really good. And I don't know if I feel the same way about power. Chris Johnson says that power was finally somewhat memorable. And I'm not going to lie. You're right. It was somewhat memorable, but I don't know if it was memorable for the right reasons. But we'll get to that, or maybe we won't, depending on how long we can talk for. Um, so uh, real quick, uh, hey, Jaden. Um, I know that there was an exciting event in Glassboro, New Jersey on Saturday night. Uh, real quick, could you tell us what happened with Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators? Well, not only was the main event the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators heavyweight championship match between Alpha Dog Adam Chandler and Eric Martin. Well, that match ended up going where Eric Martin won that match. And it was a great match. It was very, very, very close. I think, honestly, it was just whoever he got that one finishing, that one hard maneuver that actually decided it. But the real interesting thing is after the main event, there was the unsanctioned lights out I quit match between Nikos Rikos and Ty Thomas. And both were very, very, very vicious. They were showing how much they want to win that. Um, Nikos Rikos actually took the rope, grabbed a screwdriver, undid the bottom rope, and he was using it to choke out Ty Thomas to the point that Ty Thomas was starting to pass out, couldn't say I quit, 
And Ty Thomas's good friend, Alpha Dog Adam Chandler, came out, saw that his friend was in serious, a serious harm, you know, in a seriously bad place, and threw in the towel. Well, Ty Thomas, he wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to at all. If it had to kill him, or at least, you know, knock him out, that was going to happen. He was mad that Alpha Dog threw in the towel, and he just took all that frustration out on him and attacked him. So much so now that it's going to be set up for October 22nd. It's going to be friend versus friend, almost teacher, or at least, you know, somebody who was there way more experienced than the wrestling school versus student. It's going to be Alpha Dog, Adam Chandler versus Ty Thomas. If Ty Thomas loses, he leaves Dog. Whoa. If Alpha Dog loses, he leaves wrestling. Whoa. Both those guys have had a lot of history with Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. Uh, that That's going to be a blow for the company either way. Yeah, it really is. Both are very talented wrestlers. Um, Alpha Dog had his first loss ever in, in Dangerous, Adrenaline, Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators when he lost to Eric Martin. And again, there's no... Shum, no, no uh, it's not going to be bad in any way to lose to the champion. Right. You know, you're losing to the best wrestler in the company. But Ty Thomas is kind of frustrated. He's now lost three in a row to Ty Thomas. Ty, I mean, to Nikos Rikos. Nikos Rikos has Ty Thomas's number, obviously. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. Is this new aggressive Ty Thomas? Is this going to be what we're going to see from now on? He was very popular. The kids loved him. They had tie, tie, tie t-shirts. And then <laughs> the little kids used to chant, it's tie time. It and tie they, time. Absolutely, they absolutely loved him. To see him just so angry and bitter for his frustrations because he just can't seem to beat Nikos Rikos, I think that just finally caused him to snap. But that's going to be a really good match. You're going to see... All the other things, but before October 22nd, real quick, it was also announced there's going to be a free event on Friday evening, September 30th. There's going to be something called Pause for the Cause. It's the annual event where the Glassboro Police Department and the uh, Glassboro Canine Unit and the Parks and Recreation were doing do these little things where they have like um, bouncy houses and face painting and food trucks and fire and like all the fire trucks and all the cool emergency vehicles there. And then they bring the helicopter in. Uh, it's something they've Glassboro has done for every year, except for the last couple of years because of the pandemic. Well, I think that's pretty cool that you guys are going to be inv uh, involved with that. Uh, yeah. Real exciting. I, I hope that uh, you guys have a great turnout on September 30th. And we'll, we'll probably talk more about that in the weeks coming. Um, but there's your dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiator update coming from the podcast of record for dog pro wrestling. That's here at the Alliance guys podcast. Uh, let's move on to the national wrestling Alliance. Let's talk about the 74th anniversary show, the second night. Now, uh, obviously there were a lot of big things to happen on night one. We saw uh, new tag team champions crowned as uh, uh, Harry Smith. Wasn't able to compete at uh, night. Number one of the 74th anniversary. So in lieu of, uh, in lieu of uh, forfeiting the match and just rescheduling it down the road, Billy made the executive decision to uh, strip the titles from 
the Commonwealth connection and then put uh, the number one contenders in a match with uh, Hawk Ari, which would be uh, La Rebellion and Hawk Ari. Of course, uh, La Rebellion won the tag team titles. We saw a new um, NWA national champion as uh, Anthony Mayweather returned. Uh, you know, came back and attacked his former tag team partner and chief rival in Jack Stane, allowing Sion to get the upper hand in the match. And although he didn't take advantage of the uh, attack initially, he did get the victory in the match, um, setting up a match for the next night. Uh, so a lot of interesting things happened on night one. Uh, you know, we saw uh, Max, the Impaler, the non-binary nightmare win the uh win the uh, uh, Burke Invitational. So she had the opportunity to challenge Camille on night number two. And uh, just a lot of good stuff that uh, came out of uh, night number one to uh, bleed into night number two. Uh, real quick, DK, what were your thoughts on night one uh, just as a whole? Uh, in general, I thought it was good. I thought I liked Aldous's promo, but I thought it went too long. Thank you. Could have wrapped it up about, oh, you know, could have taken the last third off. Uh, I was thought they probably should have just used Aldous and Doug Williams to defend the titles. I was thinking that too. I, the same but, thought. I don't think we discussed that offline, but I, I, I don't know why they didn't do that. They still could have had the same result. Well, I was happy for. I was happy for uh, Hakari. Yeah, Hakari, because I felt the match was good. I, I really enjoyed watching the match. And then they were kind of uh, screwed out the titles. And what unfortunately is becoming the way La Rebellion win now. They, they need to back off that. Yeah. They need to, it needs it needs to be done only when really needed. Not so. my my feeling is the match went and ended as it was originally scheduled. That's that's my feeling. But I thought they looked good, so I was kind of hoping that might set up something between them. And uh, especially since I understand that from numerous commercial breaks that. They're going to be in New Orleans for the yeah. next pay-per-view, which I'm certainly going to try and make it to. That's a bit of a drive, but not horrible. Well, I mean, um, we kind of talked about it offline, and it would be uh, it'd be exciting if we did. It, like you talked about driving out there, of course, I would have to fly. I don't know if Jaden has any interest in in uh flying down from Jersey, but uh, who knows? Maybe. I, went, I got a godchild in New Orleans. If I went to New Orleans, I'd go see her. Well, you could do both. Yeah, she don't like wrestling. <laughs> say what? Well, we didn't say at the same time. No, no. The wrestling happens in the evening. The hang with the family happens in the in the morning. Um, so, what, what are more of your thoughts, DK? And, uh, course probably the best match of the two nights between uh, was the main event between Camille and and uh Taya Valkyrie and 
it it led me to point out on Twitter. I actually did some tweeting during the shows that you know the top two matches both had Camille. Yeah. And probably four out of the top five matches had women in there. And so I have a feeling that the women are working very closely with Jazz or she's working very closely with them because I certainly see that influence there. And so uh, I'm a, you know, can women's wrestling sell? Well, if you put on the right kind. I, uh, I read a tweet by Tony Khan today, and I know this isn't an AEW podcast, but uh, he said something. He responded to somebody saying, hey, you know, you gave you gave CM Punk eight minutes to say that he's injured and he's leaving and to relinquish the title. You gave Thunder Rosa, our girl Thunder Rosa, 25 seconds to do the same thing. Why? And he explicitly said, hey, I booked my show to get ratings. So I, I put the people, I give the people the most time that I think are going to draw the best ratings, which inadvertently says that, well, women don't draw. I mean, oh, he's, not, he not said several things along that line. <laughs> and, and I think like, wow, like what a blow to your company where they have a, a plethora of excellent women wrestlers and even some that aren't great, but are getting better all the time, like Jade Cargill and, you know, Jamie Hayter. Uh, and you look at that roster ever expanding of women wrestlers and they can't, <laughs> they can't find a way to book it. But then you look at the NWA and sometimes we're so critical of Billy Corgan, but that women's division is thriving under him, under his leadership. If not, you know, him directly, if it's jazz or if it's uh, Medusa or, or whomever's in the back, it's probably a combination of all of it, but we're seeing the women's wrestlers in the NWA as Doty will agree with us, kind of stand out as some of the best parts of the show. But with that being said, let's get to the show, right? Because it was a, it was a fun pay-per-view and uh, it's something real quick. May I make a comment in that? Please go ahead. Um, If the women's wrestling aren't drawing Tony Khan means you're not doing a good job making them worth seeing. Uh, just in the, the the division is only as good as the Booker. Maybe you should have the person in charge, the little fancy prancing finger pointing uh, Booker of the women's division removed and sent back to the video making the video game and put somebody in charge of the women's division who knows what they're doing and maybe it'll draw some ratings. Um. I did want to say this before we got to the show, and I actually kind of meant to start the show with this. Uh, I got bad news today. Um, one of our friends, one of our brothers, one of our uh, fellow members of the hashtag NWA fam, uh, self-professed one of the three percenters of the Josephus family, uh, Ron Gibson, uh, passed away uh, last month. Um, you guys might have known him on Twitter as Sir Absurd. Uh, of course, he would join the chats here as Ron Gibson. And uh, he was someone who was very um, vocal about his support of this podcast, this live stream. He is someone that uh, shared a passion for the NWA and for pro wrestling in general. Um, but I reached out to him a few months, a few weeks ago because I hadn't heard from him. And I, I guess today his uh, brother checked his email and responded that he had 
he passed on. And so uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Some of you knew him from the chat. Maybe some of you followed him on Twitter, uh, but our friend is, is no more. So uh, condolences to his family. Uh, it's always hard when we lose one of our own. And this is like the third one I've lost in three years. And it's, it never gets any easier. Um, Ron was a good guy. He was very passionate about the pro wrestling and he's going to be missed. So, uh, Condolences to Ron Gibson. Uh, and Jaden bailed on that one because it was just too much, um, and I don't blame him. Um, in other news, it's also Doug Williams' 50th birthday today. Happy birthday, Doug Williams. 50 years old. That's hard to believe. Um, yeah, I see some of your guys' comments, and I will get to that. Uh, Lutha said, no way, followed her on Twitter. Uh, Pro Wrestling Zone said, oh, he was a really great guy. Um, we also said he was a big follower of Adam Rotella. I think that's how I became friends with him because initially Adam Rotella and I had a friendly relationship. And uh, I think that's how we, that's how I uh, met up with Ron. I never met Ron in person. I don't even know what he looks like, which kind of sucks. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it's life. We all know that life is uh, fragile. Life is fleeting. Um, so the people you love, make sure they know you, you love them. And, and, uh, I'm not going to get too much more preachier than that, but let's get to the show. Um, sorry to, to bring the downer in, but I, I wanted to share it with you guys. <sighs> okay. Uh, so let's get to power night number two of the 74th anniversary show. The show kicks off with a two out of three falls match with Colby Carino taking on Caprice Coleman. Now, if you guys saw the match uh, on on Saturday night between uh, Gustavo and Caprice Coleman and Colby and Wrecking Ball Ligurski, it was a lot. It was a fun match. It was a lot of fun. And you got to see Caprice and Colby kind of do what they do in the ring. Wrecking Ball Ligurski, such a versatile big man, and then Gustavo was just kind of there uh, to be the foil for for Wrecking Ball. I guess I don't know. Uh, the match was kind of interesting because Colby. Uh, was locked into, um, I can't remember what the finishing, uh, the submission hold that uh, Caprice uses. I don't know the name of it, but he had him locked into it. And uh, Carino tapped almost immediately, which in the world of pro wrestling, if you're in a two out of three falls match, it's kind of a smart move because although you give up that fall, you uh, you don't risk getting injured. You don't risk uh, tiring yourself out trying to fight out of that move. You you take the L and you keep moving on. Uh, Carino then would use a foreign object to get the second fall uh, without the referee seeing, but the final fall would come when Colby connects with a flying knee off the top rope, followed up with his uh, sunsetter. I really thought this was a fun match. I really thought it was a good match. DK, what did you think of this match? I, you know, for a match with Colby in it, I thought it was pretty good. He's, he's grown some and he's matured a little bit and He's he's getting better in the ring. Yeah, I'm sure Caprice being in with Caprice Coleman helped. I felt the Rock guy probably won because you know Colby's going to be more the future. You know, who knows how much longer Caprice is going to be around at any given moment. Yeah, I'm a little sad you started with the show and skipped over the pre-show though. Oh yeah, I mean i I didn't because probably that's that's just. Best match of the night was 
the submission match between Doug Williams and Reptilus. Well, tell me about it. It was a, it was, it was this type of thing I could watch, you know, all night. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, basically two technical wrestlers going in there and doing technical things and it's still being exciting. And it, uh, it only had 10 minute time limit. So, uh, Titus was in a submission at the end, but you know, the bell rang, bell rang and it was like kissing the cousin type thing. But I, it, it, there was one moment in there where I think everybody, except for the ref, forgot that it was a submission match because Ty, Titus hit his belly to belly and went to pin Doug Williams, and the referee's like, "Nope." Yeah. And the announcers are like, "Yeah, it's a submission match." <laughs> but you could—I mean, I had forgotten. You could tell the crowd was kind of confused. You know, everything was like, "Oh, right." So. It, it, it was it was a funny moment in what was really a good ten minute match between uh, you know two technical wizards. And our, our pal Dave Scooby, who was there, who was there live, he said, "Wish they would have given them five more minutes." Yeah, it that could have been a fifteen minute draw. It doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. Though uh, Red Titus is extremely underrated, and Doug Williams never ever got his due. If he was 30 right now, he'd probably be a big a big star in wrestling. He came a little too early when people didn't really appreciate wrestling. They appreciated a lot more goofy stuff. And, of course, that's kind of the way it is now. But at least there's a, a, a very vocal minority of people who really enjoy classic wrestling and scientific wrestling and catch-as-catch-can style wrestling and pure wrestling style stuff. Yeah, and I and the thing about Doug Williams is like he's such like you said he I don't think he's ever got his real due and you know I'm not advocating for the NWA to just hand him anything but uh, I kind of wish that they would go forward with a junior heavyweight feud with him and Homicide before we see the belt on somebody like maybe Colby Carino or a Kerry Morton uh, because I feel like he has done so much for the wrestling business he is such a great wrestler and even at 50 watching him in that ring pretty incredible stuff. And, 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 you know, we're big Rhett Titus fans here on this show. Rhett's has, has appeared in of course ring of honor where he was a television champion. And uh, he's also uh, appeared in many events for the dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiator. So uh, we're always going to be Rhett Titus homers on this podcast, but uh, yeah, excellent match. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't keep notes for the pre-show. That's where I went wrong. So DK, why don't you tell us about the next pre-show match? Uh, we can go through most of them rather quickly. Uh, Angelina Love defeated Taryn Terrell. That was more comedy match, of course. And I think I think we all love Taryn Terrell's character. And it was probably the first time in my life I was ever jealous of Kyle Davis, and probably the only time in my life I'll ever be jealous of Kyle Davis. But you know, he had Taryn just rubbing all up and down on him as she sat in his lap after ringing the bell and declaring herself the winner. Never more jealous of Kyle Davis in that minute. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was good for what it was. It's not, we saw the great technical wrestling. We saw some decent action here between 
two people who right now are in more of a comedy phase of their career. Both both former Impact champions, but or Tina, yeah. and uh, it was what it was. Kerry uh, Morton defeated Gustavo in a match that probably should have been on power. <laughs> and I guess it was just a way for Kerry Morton to rebound after losing the night before. In a match, I didn't quite get double match. I didn't quite. I mean, I've seen this type of rules before, but we had a six woman tag team match where the winning team was then going to face off in a three way to crown Queen B. The so, Queen B. With a horrible little kid's tiara. <laughs> I, I don't. Even, I don't even think your youngest girl would look at that and go, "Go, ooh, daddy, give me that." I think she'd look at it and go, "No, give me a real one." So, <clears throat> my kids, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, I, in typical Billy fashion, I want to get Jaden's thoughts on this. But in typical Billy fashion, instead of like mixing up heels in in faces on the teams, he basically has a heel team and a face team. Uh, even though by the end of last night, Taya was wrestling very heelish. For this match, she was back to being just a total baby face. And so you have this match and the heels win. So now you're going to a three-way for a crown of three people you don't want to cheer for. <laughs> and you don't want any of them to win. So, I don't Jaden, why does Billy book stuff like that? I think it's all the drugs he did on tour. Um, Allegedly. Allegedly, I don't want my channel pulled down. <laughs> or maybe, um, honestly, though, it's just poor booking all the way through. Uh, if the, nobody's going to care if all three of the faces are in it, it just causes somebody to have to cheer one of the faces, which then diminishes the other two. It's, it's just bad booking all the way through. So, at least. When the Freebirds took on Devastation Incorporated, the fans always wanted to cheer the Freebirds. They just weren't going to do it against the Von Erics. Uh, you know, there was that, but I don't know. Who were the faces? Who were the heels? Or does that not really matter? Uh, it was um, Maddie, just Maddie. Um, it was Natalia Markova, and it was uh, Misa Kate, and they took on the team of. Ty Valkyrie, Kylan King, and Genocide. So the three really talented faces <laughs> yep. against the plastic surgery crew and and Maddie. Oh, I I since you're talking about Maddie, I do want to take one jump back to night one. Maddie may have had the best moment of the night when she's in the when she's in the Burke Invitational or whatever they're calling it. Invitational. And uh <laughs> yeah. And and Maxie Impaler comes out and Maddie jumps over the top rope and leaves through the crowd 
going, nope, no, no, no. <laughs> just, I, something about that I just loved. And Dave Scooby said that uh, Max was in character all weekend. He said hi, and they hissed at him. So, I mean, good for good for Max. Good for the non-binary, non-binary nightmare. I think that's awesome that uh, they stayed in gimmick throughout the whole weekend. Uh, good stuff. And then, of course, Markova ended up winning the triple threat to become the Queen Bee. Now, did, did, does that guarantee a title shot? Or, I mean, did that give us anything? Or is it just a, uh, a fictional crown at this point? Uh, more fictional. Um, they made it sound like basically they were going to do this every so often or once a year. Or, I, I mean, it, I think it sounded like Billy Corgan finally caught up on the glory runs on Netflix. <laughs> what I really want to know is why didn't they just make it for the TV title? That's an excellent question. Speaking of which, if anybody was out there, did they do anything with the women's TV title at the taking? You know, we don't. Look. I don't think we have anyone in the chat that was there uh, for the television tapings. We know that Dave Scooby was there at the live pay per view, but I. Well, yeah, James I said something about them having new belts. I didn't know if he was there or not. Uh, James says he got that from a source. Okay. Um, he was well, James, go back to your source and find out if they did anything about the women's. <laughs> uh, so now can we get back to the uh, the main pay-per-view, right? Sure. So now we, we'll skip ahead to the U.S. Tag Team Battle Royal, which your boy Jay correctly predicted. And uh, it was kind of a wild-looking battle royal. Uh, a lot of teams, there's a lot of bodies in that ring. Ended up being 12 tag teams total. Um we were introduced to new tag titles that uh, quite honestly weren't that nice looking. Um, and uh, apparently that uh, those titles will be replaced before the end of uh, television as it would, uh, as I guess during the tapings, they replaced those belts with new belts. Uh, but the order of elimination for this battle Royal uh, gold rush, you know, very surprisingly was the first tag team eliminated and they were eliminated by team ambition. Uh, the miserably faithful eliminated were eliminated by the ill begotten. Uh, the spectaculars were eliminated by La Rebellion. Rough and ready were eliminated by Hawk Ari. The country gentlemen were eliminated by Hawk Ari. The now was eliminated by the fixers. Hawk Ari was eliminated by the OGK. La Rebellion was eliminated by the OGK. And the OGK technically eliminated the OGK when Matt Taven leaped over the top rope to dive onto La Rebellion, which uh, effectively eliminated themselves from the match, which left us down to Team Ambition and the Fixers, where the Fixers uh, eliminated Team Ambition to win the tag titles. Um, the, what the cool thing about this battle Royals, it did set up the number one contenders for La Rebellion and the world tag team titles with, uh, the OGK and, uh, it kept them still looking fairly strong. Um, I didn't like the fact that La Rebellion entered this tag team tournament. I wish they would have done something different. Um, but for the most part, I thought this was kind of a fun little battle Royal. There's a lot of interesting spots in there. Uh, again, Taven leaping out to eliminate himself was 
not one of the Yeah, I mean, it was stupid, but, you know, again, I don't even know why they were really in that battle royal either. If they're going to be the guys competing for the world tag team titles, I mean, technically at this point, I think they might be the number one contenders now that Hawk RE is out of the picture. So I don't really know why they were a part of the tag team tournament or battle royal either. It reminds me of when Mil Mascaris didn't want to get eliminated in the Royal Rumble. So he came up with the idea of eliminating himself by jumping over on the top rope over other people to eliminate himself. Um, was dumb then, and it's dumb now. <laughs> Dodie well, brings up a great point, which is that the MFers are not the champions, and that matters. Uh, I do think part of it, weren't they beating on Bennett outside? Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, he didn't just do it to do it. He was trying to say Bennett. So. Yeah, so but I mean... Drop- why need baseball slide under the ropes? Well, because that's not a spectacular. And, you know, they've all learned now that if you're in modern wrestling, you have to be spectacular. And, and, and look, and, I'm not saying it was a good move. I'm just saying it was. Do you mean spot-tacular? <laughs> uh, I coined that. That's going to be on a T-shirt. It should be on a T-shirt. Yes, uh, and, and for the record, uh, Bennett wasn't eliminated. I think they dragged him out underneath the bottom rope. So when Taven did dive over, he in fact eliminated himself. Right. So it was stupid to <laughs> champions this way. I mean, the battle royal itself is okay. But yeah, it was- like I, I agree with you. The battle royal was it was fun. It it was, and then when the fixers won, they were decked out in some patriotic gear. They were both wearing football jerseys that had like the uh, American flags on it. Uh, of course, Jay Bradley was the number 69 and wrecking ball. Ligursky was probably wearing his college football number in 75. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they had a, it, it was a fun moment. It was a good moment, but that's, I hate that. I hate that. That's how they decided to crown the tag team champions. But I also get like, well, coming off of Crockett cup, you probably don't want to have a secondary tag team tournament. So, I mean, I think I would have held off until Crockett Cup 2023 and the winners would have won the U.S. tag titles. Something. Do you know the design, the ugly Kevin Rhodes design of those tag belts is actually based off of the tag belts that the US tag, USA tag team belts in Florida held by teams like um, Mike Graham and... Um, and Steve the Gator Kern. Oh. Yeah, that's that's the history of belts. And for those who may not know what happened while we're talking about the belts changing and everything like that, we don't know who made these belts. But we know who didn't make the belts. Oh, do you know? I don't know who made them. No, I was being silly. Okay. Yeah, uh, we don't know who made them, or I don't know who made them. And Kevin probably, Rose, probably, pa- probably Pakistan. Probably. And uh, Kevin Rhodes had posted something in Facebook, which I just happened to stumble across, in which uh, he noticed that he owns those belts. Or or those or that design. Because he owns all the 
original. He bought all the original Levy. Uh, Is it Levy or Levi? You know, I'm not sure. I've always pronounced it Levy, but uh, that does. So it's probably Levi. But uh, anyway, he bought all the molds. He's the one that owns the thing. He's filed copyrights before and everything like that. And uh, so he basically said, he basically blasted that the center plates are too big and that he owned it and he was sending a letter to the NWA. Uh, and apparently they got that letter and said, all right, we'll change. And so my guess is they probably had other belts somewhere or they went out and got some real quick or whatever. So it'll be, uh, it, it, it was an interesting few moments. The good news is it got me in contact with, uh, uh, with Kevin Rhodes and I'm getting a national belt out of it. So the old, uh, red, white, and blue strap national belt. So stay tuned in a couple of months. Uh, NWA gold says Rhodes says that they're U S made and he knows who made them. And he also says it's pronounced levy. Levy. Okay, I can go with that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's drive our Chevy to the levee and see if it's dry because those belts were ugly. <laughs> no, they were they were spectacularly ugly. Um and it but it kind of fit with the what what the uh what the uh fixtures were wearing. And so it was kind of that whole patriotic thing. But I'm I'm looking forward to a new belt design. I was not a fan of it. I was gonna say it's still an ugly design. I never would have picked it. No, and, and and like I get like so I get what Billy's doing right, and, and it took me a while to get it, but he's borrowing from the legacy of the NWA. So like the national championship uh, is based on the U.S. Uh, championship from uh, the Mid Atlantic area, correct? Yes. So so I mean they're using loosely, that design. loosely based on it. Yes. Yeah, they're using that design for their national title. They use the Royal Crown title to represent the junior heavyweight tag titles. Obviously, the Burke is fashioned after the, the title that Mildred Burke wore to the ring. So they're they're trying to incorporate, uh, you know, the, the classic designs all across the NWA. You know, of course, the TV title is the same title that Jim Crockett Promotions had out there, uh, the one that uh, Tyrus is wearing with the red strap. Um, I wonder if he ever got one of his own. It maybe, but like, so so when they introduced the tag titles, um, the the U.S. tag titles, I could see why they went back to something from Florida uh, to kind of be more inclusive in the history and tradition. It just sounds like they didn't do it the right way, and uh, you know, and then the of course the um, the women's tag titles, I think those are like the FanDuel belts, right? Like I, I don't know, they those yeah, belts. The the current ten pounds of gold. And the current women's, <coughs> the plates are Fandu, and the leather is Dave Milliken. Okay. And the design of the women's tag is based on the Burke. Speaking of which, our actual Burke needs to go in for some plating. And... Yeah, I noticed that. I looked at it, and I, I don't know if I said this to you or if I said it to uh, to Tim. I'm not sure who I talked to about it, but that NWA uh, Women's World Championship looks very dull, very almost plastic, and uh, it's kind of a bummer to see how like how rough it looked. It's basically down to polished sink. I mean, 
it's a nice looking belt for the design, but yeah, it needs needs to go somewhere and get its. Uh, to paraphrase Jim Cornette, the nice looking belt for a design is like saying you're the nicest guy in prison. Yeah, maybe, but it, it needs to go in and get like you know uh, nickel plated, so it's a well, little bit shiny. And I think part of the problem too is you have a champion who actually defends that belt everywhere, so it's and wears everywhere. Case. Yeah, so uh, it's 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 bound to get dinged up. It would be smart for Billy to have a second one to use at the shows, and then a one to use uh, for Camille when she's out and about. But uh, I'm pretty sure she wears it on her nights out. <laughs> a date wears, night with Tom. Well, she wears it with her dresses and outfits there in the at the studio, which I like because not enough champions wear their belts anymore. So, uh, real real quick before we get to the next match, Dave Scooby points out that uh, Doctor Tom Pritchard is now working with the NWA as a producer. So hopefully the continuity and storylines will improve. Fingers crossed. And uh, that's the second time I've heard that. So I'm assuming it's true. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Dr. Tom fan, but, you know, he at least he has a mind for the business that I think if uh, used in that capacity can help, uh, you know, bring Billy back into the fold when his, some of his ideas get out there. Oh, based on power, I would say that it's still Billy running the show. It's just. Yeah, producers only control a match at a time. Well, that's a start. Um, so anyways, uh, so yeah, a lot of things have, uh, already kind of happened. We have new tag team champions, uh, both world and, uh, us. And now as we go to the uh, next part of the show, we have, this is the match that I said is going to be terrible. And I was right. When I look at Mercutio and Jake Dumas, man, I don't want them in a singles match. There's nothing interesting or compelling about this. If anything, I would have made them a tag team. I even have a perfect name for them, Smoke and Mirrors. And I, you could have thrown them into that tag team tournament and it would have, or Battle Royal, and it would have been more interesting than the match that we got. Uh, this match just definitely wasn't interesting at all. Uh, Dumas, Dumas gets the victory when he removes a razor blade from his mouth, and the referee takes the blade from Dumas, who is like got blood blood in his mouth um and then uh as uh as the referee's distracted uh dumas hits the abracadabra on on uh mercurio for the victory and the best part of this match was cj obviously and it was very noticeable when uh when uh both when uh dumas was knocked to the outside by mercurio and cj was checking on him that's obviously uh, when she handed him the razor blade, and even Velvet Sky is like, "Ooh, what did she hand him? What did she do?" I was like, "You're blowing the spot, lady. What are you talking about?" Uh, but again, not a very interesting match. Not a very, uh, not a very fun match. Uh, DK, tell me what you thought. Uh, this should have been on USA. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't fit. It, it sure as hell wasn't fit for the pay-per-view. It was probably the worst match of the two nights. If we discount the uh, Rolando thing with Cardona. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it shouldn't have been on pay-per-view. It shouldn't have been on the pre-show. It shouldn't be on power. It, it was basically a USA match and not a very good one. So, right. Uh, Scooby or whoever was there, what was the crowd's reaction to that? Because I, I, I would have started booing myself, but you know. Chris Chris Johnson says, but he, he burps up the blade, man, for no purpose. Like he didn't do anything with the blade either. It was just like, hey, here's a razor blade. I'm bleeding from the mouth now. Magic, boo. It, like it just didn't make any sense. And then uh and then and Chris Johnson says, I just kept asking, but why? James Bell says, I really like Jake, and that match shouldn't have happened. <laughs> like I look, I wanna like Jake Dumas. I do. I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't think this is the right gimmick for him. I think they should just make him a just make him a badass. He doesn't need to be a magician. Just be a guy who likes to fight people. Uh, take take a Bateman in the United Wrestling Network and make that Jake Dumas in in NWA. Just a guy that wants to beat people up. Period. That would make sense. Dave Scooby says it was a bathroom break for me, so little to no response. That's what I love about Scooby. He is honest. He is a straight shooter. And uh, I appreciate that about you, Scoob. Uh, so let's get to the next match. I don't think we need to spend any more time on that one. This one was uh, one that I was really looking forward to. And we said it here on the podcast that win, lose, or draw, this was an opportunity for the Thrillbilly and Poyo to really kind of get that spotlight on themselves. And I think they they rose to the challenge. This was the MLW Open Weight National Championship match featuring Davey Richards, of course, for Major League Wrestling, and also uh, part of Team Ambition there in St. Louis, uh, taking on the Thrillbilly with Pollo Del Mar. Um, this is the second title defense that uh, Davey Richards has had since becoming MLW uh, Open Weight Champion. Uh, he defended the title against Rocky Romero in Nashville for New Japan Music City Mayhem. And uh, this, again, was the second defense. So both of his title defenses have been outside of an MLW ring. I thought that was kind of noteworthy. Um, early on in the match, Thrillbilly is all business. Uh, he uses his strength and size advantage to his advantage. Uh, Davey appears to be uh, on the ropes, both literally and figuratively. Uh, but then Richard starts working that lower body of Silas. He leg whips, leg whips him into the ropes. He uh, he locks in a modified figure four, really putting pressure on the lower body of Silas, which, uh, you know, in a great mat wrestling style match, the technical wrestling, uh, he's, he's taking out the size and strength of the bigger man by cutting off the lower body. Um, there was a part where Silas got some great offense in in the match. He even hit like a modified perfect storm on Davey Richards. Uh, it almost looked like he was going to win there, but of course Richards with that fighting spirit kicked out. Um, Richard gets less than a one count on a penalty kick to the face of Silas. Uh, Richards then retaliates with two super kicks and a kick to the chest, a double foot stomp from the top rope and still only gets two. Just showing you how tough the Thrillbilly is. Um, I mean, right now, Silas is looking like a stud in this match. He's taking everything Davey Richards has and, and still ha can't be put down. Uh, but Richards does lock in an ankle lock uh, when Poyo is on the ropes. 
and distract Silas. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's paying attention. Like he uh, almost collides with with Poyo, um, and then turns around to get Davy Richards to lock him in the ankle lock and taps out. Uh, I thought this was a great match for Silas. It was just uh, a normal Tuesday for Davy Richards. Nothing special uh, from him in this match because that's just kind of how Davy wrestles. But Silas looked great to me. What did you think, DK? Well, first of all, I'm very sad that you left out the most important part of the match. What I miss when uh, he actually took off, accidentally took off Poyo's wig. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I forgot and that. She, and she went under the ring where apparently she keeps a spare wig. I don't. I I think she had two wigs on, and he only pulled the first one off because if you go and watch the video again, she was never bald. She always had something on her head. Yeah, but I, it looked. It looked different to me. So either the wig kind of came off or something because I, it, her hair didn't look exactly the same to me. Uh, you know, this match was as good as you could ask for under the circumstances, which is it made uh, it made, uh, it made Silas look good. It did. So, and really, I mean, you knew he wasn't going to win. You knew Davey Richards was there, not because of some vast agreement between the NWA and MLW to work together. He was there because that's where he's from. So, yeah. You know, if you can get him booked, you get him booked. And hope that helps with ticket sales and everything. I don't know that it did. I I did notice that the the setup was shrunk from last year, so apparently yeah. they they took care of the ticket sales not being great by shrinking the place down. Well, if 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 I go next year, which some of us are already kind of hinting at going for the seventy fifth, you know, I want them to bring back the uh, the tables and serving the steak sandwiches, and I'll wear a shirt and tie. That was for Doty. I know that he keeps talking about that. Uh, and then uh, Media M5 says, hey, did you see the Thrillbilly promo he cut on Richards? Yeah, it was so impassioned. And I don't think they would allow him to do that promo on power. Um, surely they put it on Twitter and there wasn't a problem. But uh, I want to see more of that from Thrillbilly. And him and Poyo as a combination, um, it doesn't make sense, but it works, if that makes any sense. And, uh, you know, I hope oh. they... I hope he gets a push out of this. I hope it continues to go. I hope it wasn't just a one-off. Well, they're meshing better together. And I understand they were kind of thrown together last minute at the thing. And, you know, they luckily kind of took the the joke out of it. For those that remember me talking about the way they were portraying Silas. So, you know, he, he showed me he has something there. He showed me that, you know, he's somebody you could build around if they knew how to, you know, build people up in the NWA, which they don't. But if they did, you know, he's certainly somebody that, you know, you, you could start building. And, you know, Lord knows if they were, you know, uh, reinstitute the TV title, but, you know, he'd be somebody that would be good for him. Absolutely. And, and it's funny we don't have any like guarantee that Tyrus is going to relinquish that title or even defend that title anytime soon. 
but like I said, I, I think he it's his as long as he wants to hold it. But there's so many good talents that I think we can all agree that would work so well for that title. Um, and then uh, Dave Scooby says Richards went over and Thrillbilly and Pollo got over with the crowd. I love the ending. Thrillbilly almost won, just missed it by hair. That's a good scoop. That's good. And then our pal, what would Luke said? Uh, the wig spot looked highly practiced, like a magic trick. Yeah, man. I, I mean, it was uh, it was good. Like I I don't feel like I saw a bald pollo, so they did something right. Um, James H. Jackson said he actually liked the setup this year. It looked good on TV and solved the problem going, wow, there's so many empty seats. Yeah, I mean, I was at the Crockett Cup, and it, the similar seat setup at the Crockett Cup is what they used at the uh, at the Chase. Um, but I think they, they did a better job of hiding those empty seats. If you watch the pre-show, I mean, there was a lot of empty seats, um, and it started to fill out more towards the actual pay-per-view. But again, like uh, I think they did a good job of hiding of the lack of uh, people there. And, uh, and Chris Johnson says, joke's not a joke when it's an, an M.A.? I don't know what you mean, Chris. Explain. Uh, media says, uh, Jay did a cartwheel of style, too. Had the low profile. Yeah, I did it. Walk away. Yes, I, I I used to do cartwheels quite a bit when I wrestled in high school. So I'm I'm still in practice some twenty some years later, thirty years later. Um, Matthew Underwood says, "What did I miss?" Oh, we've been talking about the 74th anniversary show, exactly. and uh, and the pre-show, and uh, right now we're moving on to Joe Galley interrupting the program, hijacking the show to propose to his girlfriend. Uh, okay. Congratulations. Did you turn heel on him? <laughs> no. Thankfully, Aww. no. But I was glad that uh, I, I was glad that it wasn't uh, too long of a segment. I'm happy for Joe Galley. I know Joe Galley. I've had dinner with Joe Galley. I'm happy for him. So let's and you are no Joe Galley. Oh, I am definitely no Joe Galley. He's the voice of the NWA, don't you know? Which, by the way, I've been avoiding this thing, but he drove me crazy over the two nights. One thing that I did want to mention and I forgot to mention earlier is that I felt like this, this pay-per-view, Velvet Sky excelled. She was so much better on this pay-per-view than she's been on any episode of Power. This is the Velvet Sky that I've been hoping for when she first debuted like a year and a half ago. However, I felt like Joe Galley turned into a parody of Jim Ross and everything was just so over the top of them. And I, you know, I don't know who, if that was his style, his choice, but it kind of took the seriousness away from someone who we kind of figure is a little bit more serious and kind of made it more comical. And I didn't really like that. And well, and this is something that drives me nuts, and you'll see it a lot on the indie shows, you know, that put their thing on YouTube with announcers or whatever, or but where the announcers just get so much into the hyperbole of over moves. That must have broken his leg. He could have broke his jaw. You know, blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of like, dude, you know his leg's not broken. You know his jaw's not broken. Don't say that. Because all this make you look like an idiot. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing that uh, I wanted to point out too is Alex Taylor survived that fall, which uh, from night one, we didn't talk about that. Uh, the other Lions guys did, but man, I thought that guy died. And to me, that was thought he died. Did you see how Danny deals ran over there quickly? You know, he was checking on his boy Taylor to make sure he was all right. Um, did you see that, how quickly the other people who go check on the yeah. talent went over there? And and to me, that was it that hurt was, me. Yeah, no, my, I don't know how he's still walking. I don't know how he was able to compete in the uh, in the next night. Um, there was one other point I was going to make. Uh, oh yeah, and then another thing Galley did that bothered me on night one is when Kratos came out. We haven't seen Kratos in over a year. Kratos was being talked about for the Crockett Cup and then just wasn't booked for the event. Do you guys remember that? Uh, and then we got freaking uh, Blue Meanie teaming with uh, Blue Meanie teaming with Aaron Stevens uh, because Kratos was booked for a New Japan Strong event. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> And I normally love Joe Galley. His promos or his uh, not promos, his his play by play is really solid for the most part. But like I felt like it was just so over the top, and, and it felt like a parody of Jim Ross. Um, Matthew Underwood says maybe it was a Joey Styles inspired play by play. James Bell agrees with me about both Velvet and Joe. Uh, Media M Five says yes, Velvet was a better showed more passion. Uh, changed cadence in her voice. However, Galley is sounding more like a fake Jim Ross. I mean, I guess a lot of you guys are agreeing with me on that one. Um, Dave Scooby wanted to point out something uh, that the NWA only notified ticket holders of an earlier start, the time about uh, an earlier start time about a week before the 74. So that might've been for some of the reason why the, uh, it was a, a empty crowd to start the show off, but, uh, that's unfortunate. They should have been a little bit more consistent on that. Uh, James H. Jackson says, I wish the NWA could borrow the services of New Japan Strong announcer Ian Riccoboni. Uh, Doty says, Kratos returns. is surprising. I thought he was done with the NWA due to New Japan Strong. Love seeing him return. I think when it comes to Kratos, and I think this is what we learned at the Crockett Cup, is that New Japan Strong is the priority. NWA is the backup. Um, and I think you'll see that from a lot of talents, uh, you know, that they'll still work with new Japan strong, like the OGK, their, their primary is going to be impact. And then they'll work, uh, with the NWA when they can, um, <laughs> Doty wants to see a Kratos versus, uh, WB roll oh, wrecking ball, Ligursky or Kratos versus Thrillbilly or Kratos versus Tim storm. I think all those would be fun matches. Matthew Underwood's calling for Matt Stryker on commentary. Uh, I, I'd rather have Ian Riccoboni. And then, um, uh, so then the next part of the show, we get a um, the promos from the legends. Uh, both we get uh, uh, James J. Dillon, manager of the champions, manager of the four horsemen. We get former world champion and member of the horseman, Barry Windham. Uh, and they kind of spent some time talking about their experiences in the NWA. A nice feel-good moment. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with that. I I just didn't really have patience for it. DK, what did you think about those promos? 
they were okay. Uh, I was glad to see Wyndham look as good as he did. He had some health issues a few years ago, so yeah, he did look pretty good. Huh? He had a stroke. Yeah, I thought he I thought he died, honestly. And I'm not trying to be a lot of people thought he was going to. I'm not trying to be facetious, like that he was in, in bad shape. And so I was surprised to see him look so good. Uh you can tell Dylan's getting fragile. He could barely get his leg over the rope when he was getting in the ring. So I you know, it was all right. Honestly, I like Tommy Rich better because Tommy Rich was very much into his wildfire gimmick. He, yeah. He did that. And I've seen Tommy Rich do interviews and other things, other places. And a lot of times he's not even as coherent as he was that night and certainly not in gimmick. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Tommy Rich did a really good job. This one was, it was just okay. It was nice to see a couple of legends. Jaden, I, I know that in the past, uh, James J. Dillon has done uh, some work with the uh, Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. Are you happy to see him out there still making the rounds? Yeah, he was a very good guy. He was very knowledgeable. It was great talking to him. A lot of the guys spoke with him. Um, in the old days, when the old school empire was more on the uh, villain sides, they kind of paid him off not one time, not two times, not three times, but four times as much money as their the opponents were paying for him to be in their corner. So uh, that was pretty cool. I liked seeing that. And, you know, James J. Dillon's just great. He's very entertaining. He's very smart. I was hoped that the guys in the locker room in the NWA picked his brain and got as much as possible from listening to him because uh, he can help them improve if they will follow what he's saying. But now modern wrestlers don't believe in getting advice. They don't think they need it. But And then again, Tommy Rich on a Tommy Rich promo was great. Why do you think that is? I mean, you, you, you're you there. You're in the trenches. Uh, wh- why are these modern wrestlers, like, uh, you know, not really paying attention to the, the stars of yesteryear? Because they're stupid, for one. <laughs> but isn't that something uh, that you get taught in, in, in wrestling school, like to, to sit there, shut your mouth, open your eyes, and listen? No, now these modern wrestling schools, I mean, the people teaching the modern wrestling schools don't know how to wrestle. These guys all know stuff about wrestling. Um, what did Adam Page say recently? Yeah, that's kind of where I was paraphrasing on that one. But they don't want to listen because they think they know because that stuff's passe and heels versus faces and old school wrestling needs to die. You know, it needs to die. Some of these people, after they do a flip, land on their neck, snap it, and get it out of the ring. So maybe they won't do it anymore. Jesus. Oh, God. We don't condone uh, deaths in the ring or severe injuries. Those are... <laughs> wow, Jaden. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but Adam Page said something recently. I'm sure there's somebody out in the chat that knows what it was. But basically, like, you didn't know why you would... You know, they don't need to talk to the old guys. Uh, this is, like, new, better wrestling or something. Uh, I don't remember his exact words. But you know that you know he wasn't one to really go look for advice. He didn't think he needed it, and so when CM Punk uh, cut his promo that involved him, one of the things he said was, "He goes here's 
here is some advice that I, you know, you should listen to or whatever. So there is a thing in modern wrestling with a lot of the modern wrestlers that they think they know it. And, you know, they don't, they don't draw the fans that they used to draw. They don't wrestle as often as they used to wrestle. They don't draw the ratings that they used to draw. And don't give me the BS about the, uh, well, they, they watch it in different ways now. Well, to an extent, yeah. But if you want to see Raw, you got to watch Raw. If you want to see SmackDown, you got to watch SmackDown. See, it improves and the ratings go up. It gets bad and the ratings go down. And, you know, there's just so many clueless people out there right now that are involved in wrestling from the idiot owners, and that included Vince McMahon for the last few years, to Tony Khan, to Billy, to, you know, Joe Blow in your local town. You think they know something, but it's passed on to the wrestlers. They just think that, they just think that, uh, you know, they know all they need to know. You know, I know Jaden isn't a big fan of Joey Chaos from Southern California who wrestled uh, famously for XPW, had a, you know, cup of tea with uh, uh, Impact Wrestling. But he has churned from uh, pro wrestler to trainer. And what his school is, is the, the uh, Santino Brothers Wrestling Dojo. And they produced some incredible talent over the last few years. They helped like finish a guy like Tyler Bateman. Uh, they trained Ray Rosas. They trained uh, Tito Escondido, Big Tito, who's now wrestling for New Japan. Uh, they trained, uh, well, I don't want to talk about him because he just got arrested, uh, but they did trade, uh, train Brody King. A lot of their talents have been considered some of the top tier talents that have come out of Southern California. A lot of these guys have gotten contracts from either WWE or, or, uh, or AEW. So, you know, and, and one of the things that he preaches is that old school mentality, uh, you know, respect your elders, you know, shut up and listen. Um, and, and again, the, the only time that I really spent in the locker room uh, of a pro wrestling um, promotion would be championship wrestling from Hollywood. And I was fortunate enough to be there when uh, Dave Marquez brought in uh, Percy Pringle the third. And I even told Dave, I go, why are you bringing him in? Like, what what can he bring to the table? Like, he's a manager, and I'm sure he's not cheap. He's flying all the way from Mobile, Alabama. What does he bring to the table? And I sat there and watched him at this first event that he was he appeared at, and I got it. I saw it right away. It was the little things that he did in the corner that make the match more meaningful. But then even more so being backstage and getting to hear him talk to the talent and kind of educate them on the on the growth in the past, the history of pro wrestling. Uh, we need more of that. Well, to go back to Joey Chaos, those in the business who do it, do it, and can do it, do it, and those who can't end up teaching. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Well. I have the actual quote here from Paige. All right, let's hear it. But I, uh, he was asked if he... Uh, uh, seeks advice from, you know, people like Billy Gunn or 
uh, Jerry Lynn and Arn Anderson and William Ringo. And he's like, and his response is, oh boy, I don't know. I'm stubborn. I don't take advice. It's a good question. And that's probably the honest answer. I listen to people. I listen to people say things, but I rarely, I very rarely do. I listen hard. Here's the part that I think sets people like Jaden and I off. I was part of the movement that created the entire company and I'm a, I'm a world champion. I don't know that I need their advice. Wow. I'll certainly listen, but there is something to be said about trial and error and doing it on your own. I take more pride in that. And so I think he's walked it back a little bit, uh, but not much. His, he, he was part of the movement that created a show that draws half of what WWE does, despite having several <laughs> WWE talent that is, you know, might be used better. So, I was part of a movement after eating a lot of Mexican food the other day, and that's about as the same uh, as what Adam Page's movement's going at right now. <laughs> Basically, I mean, I mean, but that is the arrogance of a lot of. I mean, he's not alone in that, and probably most would tell you they don't. You know, would tell you, oh yeah, you know, we'd love to listen to the old people talk or whatever. Uh, you know, I guess I can give him for at least you know, being honest, but I do think that's, I think that's the way a lot of people think. And, you know, you're an idiot. If You're an idiot in life if you take that attitude towards anything. I remember talking to a young lady one time, giving her advice on her resume. And, and, uh, so anyway, she she brought it in. She brought in her original. I told her some things that probably need to be changed for her. And then she like brings in this really weird, fancy thing or whatever. And she's like, and she, I'm like, why did you do this? And she's like, oh, my friend said, you know, whatever, things like that. <laughs> I go, I don't know. I go, I go, this is probably not. I go, this is something that probably catch my attention in the wrong way. <laughs> I go, you know, whatever. And I don't remember her exact words, but she said something like, like, basically, maybe I was out of touch to the way things are done currently. And I looked at her and said, I go, uh, I'm the one that sits on interview panels and reviews resumes. And most of the people who are, they're my generation. So... And, and this was like 10 years ago, so I was worries. And, uh, you know, she didn't want to listen to me. It took, it took her a long time to get a professional job. She, she worked as a waitress in a lot of different places before she finally found an office job somewhere. So let's, uh, let's get back to the pay-per-view. Um, God, do we have to? Yeah, well, the pay per view was fun. The backstage, we get Camille with uh, Tom and and Mays interviewing them, and you know it's the same kind of rhetoric. You know, the power couple, and you know Tom's out there to, to prove his worth. Camille's going to go out there and 
prove while she's the one-time champion. Same kind of rhetoric we hear each time that they speak. That might be the drawback to Camille. It's like I don't feel like we get a new promo from her each time. I feel like it's pretty one-dimensional when it comes to promos. DK, do you agree, disagree? I mostly agree. Uh, She's gotten better, but like you said, I might. Uh, And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very similar. She's she's not the best talker. We'll just say that. And she's, I, not I mean, she's not horrible, but she's not the best. No, and I think part of it is just cadence too, right? Like you just have to have more consistent promos. But I mean, it's it's been a year now where she's consistently on the mic, so um, I, I don't. I don't want to say anything too negative about Camille. We are big Camille fans on this podcast, but uh, I think that if there's if she, there's a weak link, that's it. Um, then next up, we have the NWA National Championship match, and I was really looking forward to this one because I was looking for some comeuppance because I feel like my guy was robbed the night before. Uh, you know, I just said we're we're big Camille fans. I think we have a list that we're putting together. Uh, we're big Jeremiah Plunkett fans. We're big Camille fans. DK, who were the other ones that we mentioned earlier? Who else do we like? Uh, Poyo, that we talked about earlier. We're big. Oh, yeah. Poyo Damar. We're big Poyo fans. Uh, gosh, I can't remember who else we said, but I'm sure it'll come to me later. Uh, anyways, Jack Stain is one of those guys that we're always going to root for on this show. Uh, good human being badass in the ring he was robbed and uh so we were hope i was hoping for his uh, comeuppance to you know somehow get vengeance on mayweather and scion uh this match uh was a good title defense for scion and it's hard for me to believe that i'm saying that but uh it, it was a actually pretty decent match uh but I think one of the things about the match that was more entertaining than actual wrestling inside the ring is that Jack Stane with Chris Silvio watched from the ring entrance and, uh, you know, sat there drinking beer, eating popcorn. And there was a level of intimidation that uh, it distracted uh, Mayweather at one point, which uh, Scion took advantage of. They're very evenly matched in this match. Um, and honestly, the only... There, there wasn't a lot of shenanigans in it. Uh, the only real distraction, again, came from Jax being on the uh, at the uh, entranceway. And, of course, Austin Idol, um, he didn't really get involved in the match, but certainly distracted uh, Mayweather during the match. Uh, so there wasn't really any interference, which I think is good. If you're going to – if Sion's going to be the guy, which I'm not – it's not my choice, but if that's going to be the guy, he needs to come out off the gate and have some good victories – so he, he gets a victory uh, with two of his rolling Death Valley drivers. And Mayweather isn't a small guy, so for for uh, Sion to get him up into that move was it was kind of impressive. Not a great match, but a solid match. DK, you, you agree, you disagree? Uh, I think that's the best, best Sion's looked in a given match. Uh, I think Mayweather was just here for the weekend. I don't expect to see him out. He works behind the scenes. I don't expect to see him much in front. Uh, I was kind of jealous that I didn't have popcorn. <laughs> I did. Fine. 
be that one. Right <laughs> about yourself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good for what it was. And like I said, it kind of gave Sion what he needed, which was the opportunity to get a good title defense in. So, and it wasn't an advertised match. So, you know, it was a little bit of a plus. Uh, it didn't go too long. And uh, like you said, with Jack Stain and his legal counsel and the Chris Cilio. in the back, it was, you know, th- there was there was some entertainment value to this. And, you know, what more can you ask for? Jody points I, out. I mean, really, there's only been one bad match. Good wrestling, good booking. Logic, sense. What else more can I ask for? Do I keep going? I could ask for more. Well, you're not getting any. Well, and here's the thing, the stuff we said before. A lot of times, if you take all the noise out and you just watch the match, you can get some good matches. You can get some good matches on it, especially at the pay-per-views. It's all the noise around it. And so that makes you... make you forget the good wrestling and just get mad over stupid booking. And, uh, uh, we can, I mean, we can move on to the wounds. One last thing. In general, I thought, you know, I thought it was good for what it was. One last thing too. This was like the the first time, uh, all weekend that, uh, Austin idol, uh, was out there without Black G's, or maybe not the first time, but we saw that divide where uh, in the past you might have Austin Idol and Black G's out there, but tonight in this match you had Austin Idol with his son, um, and again, limited interference, and then later in the night you see Tyrus, the television champion, without Austin Idol, but with Black G's, which which uh, the other Alliance guys were speculating that there might be a divide between the church's money and uh, Austin Idol Mania Sports Management. So uh, there might have been planting some seeds there. If you read the tea leaves, uh, we might be seeing a disintegration of the main stable. I'm, I'm probably in the minority, but I like that disintegration just to kind of happen without necessarily an angle to it. Yeah, I don't need it. And honestly, I don't need an angle to it. Uh, you know, Idol managing um, his son, Sion, similarly to the way that he was managing Aldis early on in Aldis's world title reign, would be perfectly fine for me. You know, he doesn't need to have a whole stable. Just one guy, I think, would work. And then Black G's with, with Tyrus and Jordan Clearwater and, uh, and uh, Marche Rocket, I think, would, would be interesting, too. And they don't necessarily need Austin Idol, but you know, it is what it is. Kakushi says, uh, "Haven't seen Kakushi in a while." That's the second comment he's made tonight. Uh, thanks for hanging out, Kakushi. He says, "I never liked Austin Idol." You're not alone. <laughs> You're not the only guy. I remember a few years back when Adam Pierce was still world's champion. Uh, they did some sort of segment on a on a wrestling show in the South, and Idol was there. And Idol, who's you know, he's he what in his mid to late 60s now was probably in his mid to late 50s then and, and more or less initiated a challenge to Adam Pierce for the 10 pounds of gold totally went into business for himself 
Uh, not the first time I think he's done that. Uh, so next up, we get the Kings Highway Street Fight for the women's tag team titles. And this match literally kicks off with a trash can, collectively uh, hitting the uh, domes of Pretty Empowered. It was just an awesome way to start a match like this because that sickening thud of the aluminum hitting both Ella Envy and Kenzie Page was just its a great way to start things off. Um, it's a hardcore street fight, and the Hex are in the driver's seat, that's for sure. Pretty Empower somehow managed to take control of the match when they reversed the Hex's plan to use the chairs. This is one of those deals where Hex set up the chairs in the ring corners, uh, they have ready to throw Pretty Empower into the chairs, and uh, Pretty Empower is able to reverse it and, and drop kick uh, the opposing uh, opponents, uh, Marty Bell, Allison K. Uh, and then it just it spills out into the ring. You've got uh, uh, Ella Envy tying Allison K to the ropes, so she's completely uh, immobilized. Uh, the battle spills out to the floor. They bring out a table. Uh, the Hex bring out Legos, which is funny. Um, Brian Solomon, who writes for Pro Wrestling Insider, has done a lot of uh, wrestling-style uh, books. Mentions that, you know, he thought it was a little disrespectful for the NWA, which uh, seemingly is supposed to be the, uh, the, the link to the past, the link to history and tradition. Um, feature a match that would include Legos. Uh, and, and saying that maybe the uh, Luthez would be rolling in his grave if he saw that. Um, hey, Luthez, would you be rolling in your grave when you saw that? <laughs> what would you do, Luthez? <laughs> uh, Marty Bell uh, puts a trash can on top of Ella Envy um, with the plans for AK to do a jump uh, onto the trash can, seemingly decapitating poor Ella Envy. Um, but Paige, uh, Kenzie Page is able to push Marty off and distracts Kay just long enough for Ella Envy to return the trash can to the head on Kay, who then falls through a table and then empower uh, use the trash can to super kick Marty Bell for the victory. Uh, this is uh, the night where Kenzie Page goes full heel. Um, Pretty Empower goes full heel. Uh, gosh, Ella Envy's uh, growing on me. This was a fun match. They get that big win. They needed that win uh, because before it just felt like uh, the Hex. Uh, DK even said this uh, earlier. He thought that the Hex were going to walk away with those belts very easily. And it was uh, it was a pretty wild fight. Uh, DK, what did you think of that match? Well, first of all, with Ella Envy's growing on you, you can get fungicide or something like that to take. Oh, that isn't very nice. Uh. By the way, Kenzie Page grew on me a long time ago. When I first saw Kenzie Page, I was not impressed. But the more I saw Kenzie Page, I felt like she was conditioning herself. She got better in the ring. She worked on her, her body. Obviously, she's she's really improved as a pro wrestler. And the first time I saw Ella Envy, I kind of felt the same way that I did about Kenzie Page. But each time I see her out there, um, I think she's improving as a wrestler. But go ahead. Yeah, with Kenzie Page, there was a time when I wasn't sure how serious she was taking it. And especially, and look, I'm fat. So <laughs> nobody say that I'm fat shaming. But, you know, she she did go up in weight a little bit there for a while. But then it's like she got serious. She dropped some weight. 
and she improved in the ring. Was like, I like that. You know, it's funny. I really did think that this was going to be a case of the X getting this title back. They probably only lost us an agreement to get it back, whatever. And then, like the day of the show, one was talking about the Queen Bee and the TV title. And I thought to myself, uh, I thought to myself, I go, I, uh, I kind of forgot about that TV title. And they were setting Allison K up for the TV title. Yeah. And so I go, eh. I go, you know, maybe they're not going to want it back. And then kind of when it was actually early as the match got started, and I started thinking about the drumby, you know, that I started thinking, Paige is going to go heel. I go, this isn't going to be a split up. This, she's going to go heel here. And, uh, of course, by the end of the match, I was right. So it just goes to prove that things that sometimes seem so plainly obvious, if you actually put more thought into it, then you realize, eh, maybe it's not as clear as you thought. Dave Scooby is asking who is the next challenger for bringing power. No, a lot of women tag teams in the NWA. And my answer is it'll be a Franken team, probably. Yeah, I think it might be uh, Miss, Mrs. Outside Hire. I don't know who they would bring in right now. Um, you, you know, you do a makeshift tag team or – you bring in somebody from the outside. I mean, let's be honest. The Hex never really defended against many tag teams that were actual tag teams. And so uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. So, oh, and as for the Legos, uh, I guess that's because they can't use thumbtacks. Oh. Okay. I mean, I guess I kind of get that. That makes a little bit of sense. Because they, they keep them in the same bag. And that's the only thing I can come up with. And I'm sure landing on Legos does not feel good. Feel I've stepped on Legos and I've stepped on thumbtacks. I think I'd rather step on thumbtacks sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a... It, it looks stupid and it kind of is stupid. And it was certainly a had all the elements of a garbage match, but <laughs> all the elements of a garbage match. That's like saying, Oh, let's see, let's throw a bunch of garbage in there. And Oh, look, it's a garbage match. But it was, a. Uh, if they don't do them too often, I don't have a real issue with it. Uh, not my favorite style, not my favorite thing to do. I like the more subtle, low DQ matches. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. If it's a no DQ match, you come in there with brass knuckles on both your hands, and it'd just be who was ever lucky enough to land the punch first. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Overall, well, overall, I thought the match was okay. It's not going to win any prizes. It's not going to be one that sticks out in my memory other than or it started how wrong I was. Dave Scooby says that the St. Louis Sports Commission uh, has a no blood unless it's the hard way. Then the referee has to stop the match. That's what he was told. That sounds um, about right. 
Yeah, and I know that St. Louis is a little bit more stricter when it comes to um, the athletic commission there. Um, and then Media M5 says, good question. Now that the hex is done, for now, who else can go against pretty empowered for the belts? Unless they put two randoms together and that's about it. And that might be what happens. And there, there's a lot of talented women on the roster. I mean, uh, briefly, we had Genocide teaming up with Paola Blaze. I don't think you're going to see that come back. Uh, for a while there, we had Tootie Lynn Ramsey teaming up with uh, Kylie Ray, who's been absent since, uh, well, for almost a year now. So I don't think we'll see her anytime soon. Uh, but, you know, there, there are a lot of women on the roster. I think you could find uh, two viable candidates to be a tag team. And, and have good matches. I mean, look, if I was booking the division, I would put uh, I would put uh, Genocide and Kylan King together and make them a tag team, a Road Warrior-esque women's tag team, and just have them squash everybody. The other tag team uh, DK and I both were jokingly hoping for was uh, 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 Chelsea Green and uh, Max the Impaler. Uh, that would have been a fun tag team just as a, you know a odd couple type deal. But uh, speaking of garbage matches, let's go to the next match, which is the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, yeah, that was garbage. Had, what's that? That was garbage. Yeah. Well, when you have 45-year-old Homicide, who still wrestles like he's 20 years old, uh, the guy is very impressive in the ring, does a lot of things right, looks good in the ring, wrestling somebody who should not be in the ring. Like, this is as bad as watching Ric Flair wrestle in the ring. It's time to end this stuff. I don't. I don't know who this appeals for. They, they didn't advertise this match because no one was going to pay a ticket to see Ricky Morton and Homicide in the ring. It just was a bad idea, and it was a bad execution, and the match just wasn't good. And I'm not blaming Homicide for that. Um, what I did see in was uh, in this match, uh, you know, it, look, just to be honest, it's hard for me to take any Ricky Morton match seriously. At this point, his time is, his time is up should be done i don't have a problem with him being an ambassador for the nwa i don't have a problem with him being a manager i don't have a problem with him even working backstage but i don't want to watch this man wrestle anymore and i know he's a legend and i know that like that doesn't sit well with some people but this match just shouldn't have happened um you know I, I i really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it just because i don't care about ricky morton but i did see the ending of the match and that was with homicide connecting with an unprotected shot to the back of the neck of Ricky Morton that in, in MMA would have had him suspended and boxing would have had him disqualified, but in pro wrestling, no holds barred. Um, Morton folded like an accordion, which he should have because a dude's, you know, pushing time for retirement and uh, gave homicide the three count end of the match. Kerry Morton comes out, but it, not much to do about nothing. Homicide is victorious. Uh, DK, what did you think about this one? I thought that was a really screwed up ending. I mean, I, I didn't get it at all. It's like, how many things could, could they do wrong and still put an ending in there? It starts with an eye rake or whatever, except for as he turns, you start, as Ricky Morton is turning, you see that it's not his eyes, it's his eye. And then as he turns a little bit more, you learn he's not even on the eye. He's above the eyebrow on the forehead to the point where even the announce team had to acknowledge that. That, you know, that, oh, he's just digging into his skin and, you know, and everything. And then he hits him with the 
basically a clothesline from behind into the base of the thing, which they don't barely acknowledge when he first does it. And they're right by the ropes. I mean, right by the ropes. And so, you know, I'm expecting like Ricky Morton to put his foot on the rope or something like that. But no God was with me that moment. And they count with the pinfall. And it was like, the best thing I could say about the match was it was short. Yes. <laughs> and that, that was the best thing I could say about it. It was short. And, and, and then that's when irritating Joe Galley starts going, talking about how in MMA and boxing or whatever, it's like, it's perfectly legal in wrestling. 100%. Always has been. And, you know, they're making it sound like, oh my, you know, oh my gosh, if there's another sport, he'd be in big trouble. It's not another sport. So, uh, you know, in football, uh, you know, they have a pigskin and they wear helmets and pads. And in, you know, football, they kick a ball and they don't use their hands. And none of that applies to pro wrestling. Exactly. Just like just like the rules of MMA and just like the rules of soccer, it doesn't apply to pro wrestling. It's a whole different subset. Of, it's a different skill set. On Magic the Gathering on ESPN Ocho, <laughs> they use a trap card. To get the blue eyes, white dry. Oh, wait, that's Yu-Gi-Oh. Never mind. Well, and then that's when you pull out your reverse card and your draw four, and you end it. Uno. Yahtzee. <laughs> Go ahead. I said Yahtzee. No Yahtzee. Uh, next up, we get Flip Gordon versus Nick Aldis. Now, I know this is going to upset uh, Matthew, who I know is a big Flip Gordon fan, and I know he's a big Nick Aldis fan. But I found this match to be incredibly boring. Um, I've seen better from both of them. Uh, I, I saw Nick Aldis's post on Instagram talking about, you know, we didn't do any crazy dives. We didn't fall out to the outside of the ring. There's no gimmicks. And the fans of St. Louis ate it up. Yeah, the fans of St. Louis are big Nick Aldis fans. You can tell that. But, man, this was a boring match. Flip came out sporting the uh, Control Your Narrative uh, patch on his vest, which... Uh, doesn't bode well if you know that we it seems like we might be having some sort of invasion down the road. Uh, the announcers keep saying that he doesn't believe he's real, so the laws of reality don't apply to him. And and of course, he has this crazy rhetoric, he's a flat earther, and I can't believe that that's the uh, the, the opponent that they picked for all this. But I guess it could have been worse, I guess it could have been uh, Marty Skrull. So at least we don't have that. Uh, Flip is quick on the attack. He really gets the best of Nick for a few minutes. Uh, a back body drop changes all of that. Uh, Nick seems to be enjoying just tossing around uh, uh, Flip Gordon. And the fans are firmly behind Aldous. Make no doubt about it. St. Louis is Aldous country. And, I, I mean, who could blame him? Again, he's wrestling a guy who believes that the earth is flat. Uh, Flip did get quite a bit of more offense in than I thought he would, including an STF that had the, the former world champion in trouble. Uh, but Flip was able to connect with some power moves mixed with some speed and looked really good in this match, but he really couldn't stand up next to Aldis. And I mean, you're talking about a guy who is a, a heavyweight, a legit heavyweight, six foot five, maybe 235 pounds, 
up against a guy who is probably 5'11 and, and, and probably like 190 pounds, if that. Um, Flip, Flip looks like he's in good shape, but he isn't Nick Aldis. And uh, at one point, Flip went for like a version of a 619 uh, by the turnbuckle post. And this was pretty clever. Aldis catches him, drags him into the ring, and then puts him in the Kingsland Cloverleaf. Uh, Flip was fighting like like hell to get to the ropes, but uh, all this gets him to tap out. It's the same result we've seen every time the two have fought in the past. Uh, not a bad victory for Aldis. Pretty good showing for Flip. Uh, the post-match celebration is interrupted, though, when Odinson comes out, blindsides Flip Gordon. Nick Aldis returns to the ring only to get pounced by Odinson, and I can only imagine that that's probably the next opponent that Aldis will face is it's probably going to be uh, Odinson. Uh, in the past, Aldis has said a lot of nice things about Odinson and thought that he was a, a future star in the making. So maybe that's why uh, this kind of played out. May I say something? No. You may. Uh, maybe that means Flip doesn't want to go after the NWA World Heavyweight Championship because it's a dome globe and obviously globes don't exist because that means the earth is round. <laughs> that's why he wants the Royal Crown Junior Championship. There's no dome globed on that one. No, but there is a globe. It is at least a dome. He's going to have that replaced. Yeah, with the Flat Earth Championship. <laughs> well, hold on. The globe that's on the crown jewel is flat. Oh, well, then he's fine. He'll be happy with that. By the way, for people who think I'm having some kind of psychotic break, uh, there is a mosquito in here, and it's driving me crazy, and I can't catch it. I thought I saw you waving your hand over. The I thought you were doing John Cena. No. You know, it shows up just long enough to where I try to slap at it or I come, you know, buzzing by me or whatever. And I know you can't see it on the camera because I can barely see it. But, yeah, that's that's why I'm constantly looking around and trying to swap something. I thought he was having a movement and it really stunk. No. I am looking around because I'm I'm having a psychotic episode. So, well, that's because we're talking about you know the NWA. Uh, Real quick, Media M Five says those two in the match look like it was a father wrestling his kid. <laughs> I mean, I probably enjoyed the match more than you, but not. I didn't love it, and I didn't get the Otison thing at the end. Because it's like, well, if I thought Otison had a chance of, you know, beating all this. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the, the new thing in wrestling is that the people that you want to get over, you bring them in, you beat them a lot. And then that's how you get them over. Yeah. So, I don't know. Man, we still have a lot of wrestling left to cover. So, let's kind of get through some of this a little bit quicker. Um, next up, we have Aaron Stevens and uh, and uh, Rodney Mack taking on uh, the Pope and J.R. Kratos, Kratos, if you will. And the the entire time during this match was happening, I, I even told DKM this offline. I thought there was going to be some sort of double switch where Kratos and Stevens would reunite in a heel type faction, and and uh, you would have like maybe the Pope and. Uh, Rodney kind of working together. However, that didn't happen, unfortunately, because I thought that would have been more entertaining. Uh, the match was 
the match had its moments that I thought were a lot of fun. And then it had some moments that were, I thought were asinine. Um, when Stevens was getting beaten behind the scenes from Pope and Kratos behind the, the screen, I should say, not the scene. Um, it was funny to a, an extent, but then got like really annoying. And I, I, yeah, I felt like it went on for too long. Um, the finish of the match comes when Red Dog goes for the euthanizer on the Pope, but the Pope is able to roll through it and get into a pin uh, attempt getting uh, uh, Rodney's shoulders pinned while he was uh, over on top of Rodney. Uh, that gets them the three count. Kratos gets his first victory back in the NWA, and uh, the Pope uh, is back on the winning track. So what did you think of this one, Mr. DKM? Uh I enjoyed the beginning and then didn't like the rest of it. The only good thing is, you know, at least Pope was the one that got the pin. And I I wonder if Kratos was at the tapings or if this was just kind of a come in and do something and go back to, you know, New Japan. And with that, DKM is out. <laughs> he coming back? Oh, he's coming back. Jane, I know you didn't watch the pay-per-view, but uh, how do you feel about Kratos returning to the uh, to the NWA? I kind of liked him because he has an interesting look, and he wasn't bad in the ring. And his stuff in New Japan seems to be better than his stuff in the NWA. Um, I mean, he's starting to get a little name for himself, and honestly, NWA <laughs> can use everything they can get at the moment. <laughs> um. So that's good, and there's a reason. He's a former tag champ, and at least it's not the question mark. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's it. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm pulling a DK. I'm walking away. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that moment. <laughs> Maybe we won't get to that, but we'll, we'll try to. Um, so the next up we get EC3. Uh, and the control your narrative brand. Uh, I'm in still a here. What's that? I'm still here. Okay, so we get EC3 versus Tom Latimer, and this is a this is probably one of the better matches of the night. Uh, these guys look like what you would define as a pro wrestler, and I'm not talking about the cookie cutter Vince McMahon style of pro wrestling. Just two guys who obviously spend some time in the gym. They have the intimidating look. They're they're big muscular guys. Uh, you know, Latimer is a former, excuse me, uh, not Latimer, EC3, Ethan Carter III is a former Impact champion, uh, you know, former NXT signed talent. He's been a while. He's been around for a while. He's not a slouch in the ring at all. They have a pretty good match. Like I said, they, they are pretty close in size. Uh, they appear to have pretty much the same build, uh, size and strength, all that stuff. It just, they seem e evenly matched. Uh, EC3 said the night before that he wants to bring out the demons in Latimer and the match gets really aggressive. We're talking about like holding the guy up on the ropes and, and clubbing him in the face and cross arms and cross faces, excuse me. And it was just really like a, a more violent match than we see normally in the NWA. I thought it was really good. I thought EC3 definitely got into the head of Latimer. Uh, the match is interrupted when the control your narrative group comes out. I don't know the guys' names. I didn't bother to write them down. I'm sure we'll see them more. In the Leo game. Fox, Kirk Gannon, and Space Cowboy. 
All right. I'm sure we'll see a lot more of them in the coming weeks of power. Um, but the referee tosses out the match. Now, I guess the reason why he tossed it out is because uh, Latimer kind of shoved him uh, when he was trying to get uh, Latimer off of EC3. And then the Control Your Narrative group came out and attacked Tom. So the referee threw the match out, although I, I felt like it should have been a disqualification victory for Latimer. Uh, the collective holds down Latimer as EC3 grabs a chair. looks like he's about to slam it in uh, Latimer's face. Then he puts the chair down, takes a seat and whispers into Tom's ear. Uh, none of what we hear, none of that we hear on the broadcast. Uh, and then that's kind of the end of it. What I felt kind of sad about was no one even came to Latimer's rescue or anything. He's just there getting his ass kicked. Uh, what did you think about this one, DK? Boy, up until the end, it was a good match. But everything from the moment that he shoved the referee, Latimer shoved the referee, which, by the way, should have got him disqualified, and he's three the victory, uh, sucked. And, you know, they bring in, oh, it's the control your narrative people. Three people, nobody know. I mean, I, I don't think control your narrative just has the biggest following, so... You know, if they hadn't told me those are the control your narrative people, I never would have known those were the control your narrative people. And after they told me, I thought, great, three jobbers. And just, yeah, not interesting, not good. I, I don't like, someone said he's a modern day raven. Don't remember if that was actually on the commentary or someone talking in some group somewhere, but they were talking about him being like a modern day raven. It's like, yeah, don't do that. So um, they were premium five hundred dollar Lego set. Well, so they hurt especially bad. Our, our buddy Dave Scooby says that Sion is defending the national title tonight after a minor league game in Crestwood, Illinois. No mention of his opponent. That's the kind of stuff I think is going to really help Sion um, make his way as the national champion. He famously tweeted uh, the the belt with the mask and saying, hey, he's open for business. Um, you know, I know we're talking about the control your narrative match right now, but I, I just wanted to bring that up. I think that's a good move for Mr. Uh, Mr. Sion. Um, and uh, going back to what you were saying, DK, the group that they showed on camera, the control your narrative, the threesome, uh, again, it's not, they aren't guys that are like household names, but you pair that with EC3 and maybe Flip Gordon, uh, you might have some something. Uh, I do know that. Um, Media M5s pointed out that uh, did you see that tweet NWA put out with EC3 and Camille? It's ironic that EC3 went and wanted to give Camille a change your narrative T-shirt, being a certain someone is associated with that promotion. I don't know who that certain someone is that's associated with the promotion, but um, her ex-husband or her ex-boyfriend, uh, Adam, though, right? But he's he's yeah. back. He's going back to the WWE, anyways. Maybe. Oh, maybe, but probably. No, okay, that makes sense. Good point, media. That's a good point. Didn't even think about that when it happened, but yeah, you're right. You know, the key, the, the key is, especially if 
uh, Shear does go back to the WWE. Does that work? Controller your narrative doesn't have anything upcoming. I think it's basically just going to be a group that goes places and means nothing. Well, there's still other guys that are associated with that brand, like uh, Blake Bulletproof Troop. And uh, I mean, he's one of the guys that I know, but there's there's other guys. Matthew Underwood says, wasn't Aries a part of control your narrative? Yeah. And I don't I don't know. This is. This isn't trying to dismiss. Oh, that would kill it quickly. I'm not trying to dismiss Aries uh, in the group, but um, I don't know what his relationship was like with the NWA when he was there. So I don't know how much. Uh, I don't know how much he would, you know, want to be back, or if the NWA would want him back. I don't know if there was a falling out, or if they just, oh, battery's dead. If they just opted to, uh, you know, not use him anymore. Question: What is Billy Corgan's affiliation, his affection to broken toys of people that really aren't making it anywhere because of their own controversy and their own opinions and their own not ability to keep their damn mouth shut? What is his? What is his um, fixation with these people that may have talent but don't necessarily have the brains to know how to shut their mouth? And this is coming from somebody who doesn't know how to shut his mouth. I think it's all based on the fact that they're uh, clearance items. You don't have to pay full price for them because even though that they're very talented individuals, uh, the fact that they keep getting themselves put in a position like, look, I, I know this isn't a popular opinion, but I don't know that Nick Aldis has options at this point. I don't know that Nick Aldis could uh, go to the WWE. I don't know that Nick Aldis could go to AEW. Um, he, he might be able to return to eight uh, to impact, but in what capacity, you know, he's where he's at right now. He's, you know, he's literally minutes away from where he lives and most of the television tapings, he's just, you know, he could sleep in his own bed. Uh, I think there's a lot of advantage to that. Uh, and I think, you know, he gets him at a discount. I think Latimer's a discount. I think, uh, you know, EC3 is a discount because, if these guys were able to get the deals with WWE, you know, I don't think he could afford that. I don't think he could match those prices. DK? I don't disagree. I mean, it's trying to figure out Billy is not, not something I want to spend a long time doing. <laughs> that said, though, EC3 is definitely a step up in my opinion, and something I it, honestly I could take a lot of that talent that the NWA has, get rid of a lot of the uh, wasted space, and I could really turn that into something very exciting and very entertaining and something people want to see. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know how cheap the NWA was, or I could have bought it. <laughs> Or, or maybe Dr. Zirconium could have bought it. I'm pretty sure my son... Oh, yeah, but Dr. Zirconium's cheap. He don't like spending money. I like spending other people's money more than my own, but I could do it either way. Fair well, enough. we know he's cheap. You work for him. <laughs> I do hey. work for him, but he doesn't pay me what I deserve. Well, they got to pay the minimum wage. They can't go any lower. They can, as long as I could be put as a... Uh, as a waiter, waiting staff. 
That's true. So, Jay, there's two more matches on this card that we probably should cover because I want to blast the NWA over something that happened with Power. Okay. So, we get the James uh, Mitchell promo. Basically, just predicts victory for the non-binary nightmare. We're just going to skip past that. Uh, We get the World Women's Championship match. Uh, This is kind of – this is the match that I was really most looking forward to. Again, I predicted that uh, this was the match that we were going to have on night one, so I'm happy that this is the match that we got. And I don't think it disappointed at all. Uh, you had, uh, like I said, this might have been match of the night. Uh, Camille versus Max is a different, very, it's different, very, it's a very different style clash for Camille. We don't ever see Camille outclassed in the ring in terms of size and strength. This is the first time we've seen her, uh, you know, if maybe not shorter, uh, certainly uh, not having a weight advantage, certainly, uh, you know, being, uh, the non-binary nightmare was able to match power with Camille. And, you know, we never saw her stuck with an opponent who could overpower her. Even with Kylan King, we didn't see Kylan overpower Camille. If anything, they were pretty close to being evenly matched, but there were parts of this match where uh, Max uh, just overpowered Camille and seemingly felt no pain throughout the match. Uh, So there was very little that Camille could do that would really slow Max down in that ring. Uh, and, and it would there was oftentimes where Max would just drag Camille by her ponytail from corner to corner and and like inflict damage on her. This was the first time we've seen Camille in peril, and I still I, I very much feel like uh, Maxie Impaler is like uh, the offspring of uh, Big Man Vader somehow because they are so reminiscent of Vader. When I watch Max wrestle, I feel like I'm watching a non-binary version of the Mastodon. The, the way she the way she moves around the ring, the way she carries herself in the ring, the way she attacks her opponent, it, it, it's so Vader-esque. And I'm saying that as the biggest compliment I can. Um, I, just I, just I, in, Maxine Peller is a love child of Big Van Vader and Matilda the Hun from Glow. Oh, shit. <laughs> you, you, that's, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. And that's a good thing. I think we need more Big Van Vaders in this world. In a world of uh, big shows and, uh, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Osmos, I want more Vaders. Um, anyways, uh, so the match continues to go pretty much uh, all in Max's favor. She uh, connects with the Wastelander, her finishing maneuver, and you would think that's it. But Camille kicks out via like a Hulk Hogan rush of energy. Like, how does she kick out from that move after being, like, thoroughly destroyed most of the match? Uh, But Camille ends up pulling out this victory, like, out of thin air when she dodges a body attack in the corner. Uh, It looked like like, uh, Maxine Paler was going in for, like, an avalanche splash. Uh, Camille gets out of the way. Uh, Max crushes into the ring apron, or ring, excuse me, the, the... the ring uh, post post. Thank you. And uh, Camille rolls up for a pin one, two, three out of nowhere. And that's the first time Camille's ever looked like she was in peril. That's the first time that she didn't look like she was going to, she wasn't dominant in a match. I mean, even when she was wrestling against Thunder Rosa, it wouldn't take much for this, the, the, the match to change just when, you know, uh, Camille would, 
would pull off a power move. But in this match, she didn't have those opportunities. I mean, she even had a torture rack on Max the Impaler that she turned into a power bomb and still couldn't get more than a two count with that. So the, I, I really felt like this might have been the biggest victory in Camille's tenure as women's world champion. And I thought it was a hell of a match. I hope they, they meet up again soon. Uh, DK, what did you think of this one? Well, obviously, I said earlier the top two matches were both and Camille. So uh, the night before's was a better match. Okay. This one was uh, this one was really good, and in part of what made it impressive is knowing what Camille had gone through the night before. Yeah. Because that's not common in this age, you know. Back in the day. You know they did that eight times a week, but now they uh, now they don't they barely you know wrestle twice a week at all, and certainly not in two big matches with two big women who are gonna you know take a lot out of you. So it it was pretty impressive. Uh, I like the look on Camille's face after she got the win. It was almost like she was surprised. So she, she pulled that off well. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good match. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it, out of uh, two nights of wrestling, it ranked second. Uh, Matthew Underwood wants us to know that Glow Season 4 was going to feature Eli Drake. Oh, who was it? <laughs> uh, okay, so then, uh, so that, again, we both really liked that match. Um, DK says that Taya versus uh, Camille was better. I, I was partial to uh, Max and, and Camille, but both of them really good matches. Very solid, very good victories for Camille. Just, Just like Kevin, you have the right to be wrong. One-time champion, still one-time champion. Next up, we have the main event. While DKM was watching this, he sent me a message and said, this match is way better than has any uh, any uh, right to be. Yeah, any right to be. Thank you. And for once, DK and I are in a hundred percent concert on this one. Um, this was a this was a different Tyrus. Bless you. This was a different Tyrus. He came out to that ring, and that man has lost weight. That man looked like he was ready to fight. He looked hungry, and not for a sandwich or a buffet. But for a championship title, I was excited when they both came out to the ring. Trevor Murdoch was Trevor Murdoch, and I, I fully expected that Trevor Murdoch was going to be ready to go. But Tyrus certainly came with his working boots. Uh, the referee instructions, I thought, was a little bit ridiculous. It felt like he was trying to add his own narrative to the story. It's like, just say the simple, like, are you ready? You control, ready? control the ref narrative. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. I was like, you know, Tyrus, you never shied away from a fight before. Shut up. Kyle Davis already introduced that we don't need a secondary introduction. Uh, and not only that, but it's towards the end of the match, so the end of the pay-per-view. So I had no time or patience for this. Uh, it just seemed a bit redundant. And then the very start of the match, uh, you get Trevor Murdoch go right outside, grab G's and DDT him beautiful loved it i thought it was perfect because you know what jesus is there for you know what jesus is gonna do completely uh immobilized him 
completely neutralize that threat. And then we got a wrestling match. He jumps in the ring and immediately connects with a bulldog off the top rope onto Tyrus. I thought that was it. I seriously thought the match was going to be over. I was like, wow, no way. But, uh, you know, because that has ended most matches for for Tyrus, but excuse me, for Trevor. Um, but Tyrus is able to get out of the ring, get out of the way. And uh, so, so Trevor follows him out to the ring, outside the ring. The referee's really giving them a lot of freedom on the outside. Uh, they're going back and forth. And like I said, Tyrus brought his uh, work boots tonight. At one point, as uh, he, he uh, Trevor, excuse me, as Tyrus is heading back to the ring, he sees Trevor's oldest son ringside and literally grabs him by the shirt and threatens to punch him. And I thought that was an interesting, you know, interesting way to go, uh, especially considering that that's family. So, um, again, the match was way better than I thought it would be. They get into the ring. Uh, there's a referee bump when Trevor has Tyrus in a headlock and they kind of crash into the referee. But oddly enough, the referee doesn't go down, at least not for very long. Uh, you have Trevor battling the angel and devil on his shoulder. When he grabs the ring bell, it is almost seems like he's committed to knocking out Tyrus with the ring bell and then chooses to do the right thing and not hit him with the bell, only for that bell to end up in uh, in Tyrus's hands. Um, but uh, even before that, Trevor connects with the uh, heart punch, but can't keep Trevor down with it. It's the first time anyone's kicked out of the heart punch since Tyrus has been in the NWA, kept the move looking strong. Uh, so, yeah, neither man used the bell, even after G's had the referee distracted. Jeez uh, actually woke up towards the end of the match and was trying to advocate for Tyrus to use the bell to take that shortcut. But Tyrus, you know, a proud man, opts not to, which is surprising. Uh, but because of that, uh, that hesitation, Trevor is able to connect with a low blow, which is kind of out of character for Trevor. But again, by any means necessary, he's going to hang on to that title. He follows that up with the top rope bulldog. Tyrus kicks out. That doesn't happen very often. That's the second top rope bulldog he's had in this match. Uh, so what does Trevor do? What any normal thinking man would do? He jumps back up on the top ropes and connects with another uh, top rope bulldog. And it takes two of those to put away the TV champion. This match was a hell of a lot better than it had any right to be. Uh, Trevor Murdoch wins. And uh, you got to kind of tip your hat to Tyrus because he certainly looked like he was there to work. work. What did what you think, PK? Yeah, I mean, he, he obviously, I thought both of them looked thinner personally. And so, I mean, obviously, Tyrus took this serious. Uh, match was a hoss fight, which, you know, I enjoy. Uh, again, probably not going to win any award for best match of the, <laughs> no. you know, the year or whatever, but uh, considering what I was expecting, which was for Tyrus to have a heart attack after climbing up the stairs. <laughs> uh, see, Willie's not the only one that can make that jokes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, everything was more or less good. The only thing I didn't really understand was the end. What? Oh, well, hold on. Before I get to that, who noticed the big bruise on uh, 
Murdoch's thigh and ass. I mean, gee whiz. I don't know when he got that, but I was in pain looking at it. I try not to look at his ass. I try not to, but, you know, that bruise was something. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I didn't really get the end when it was like Murdoch was trying to compliment him and said something like, I guess he was trying to say that it was like short notice or whatever since he was the one replacing all this, although done immediately afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess the suggestion was that he didn't have the, you know, if he had had the time to plan this from the beginning, it could have been even tougher. Maybe he would have won or whatever. But Tyrus like freaked out at that, turned over the announcer's table and left. And, you know, Bernard ends up calling him a, Bitch, you know, bitch, and why did you know, you know trying to pay a guy a compliment and whatever? And I was like very confused by that. I was like, did something not go as planned? Was this not planned? I mean, what what's the story here? I maybe he hit that low blow a little bit more real than we thought he did. Maybe there was certainly something that was something that seemed off about it. Yeah. And so it was weird, but you know, just for the match and for the night, it was, you know, for two nights of pay-per-view, I mean, they were too long. Both nights were way too long at four and a half hours. Yeah. And, uh, probably should have left off the pre-shows and just moved everything down. But uh, I don't know. Just overall, it was a good night. It was a good weekend for women's wrestling, and not a bad, uh, not a bad night for Trevor and Tyrus. And you know, that's about all you can really, really hope for. Well, until you get to power. Yeah, and, and it's like what we always say, right? You get these great pay-per-views, and then we get followed up with power. Now, uh, you know, this is – normally we don't go this – well, we try not to go this long, but we're going to rush through power here because that's what we do on this show is cover power. Uh, thank you guys for staying with us. I see uh, uh, most of you guys are still in the chat. Feel free to chime in anything you want to. Uh, we do love reading your comments, but uh, – this episode of Power, which is season 10, episode one, kicks off with Matt Taven taking on Mecha Wolf. And uh, this was a great match. I really enjoyed watching this one. And, and I do feel like the right guy won with Taven, got the victory uh, by rolling through with the head scissors. Uh, it was a fun match. We're going to try to get through these quickly. Uh, DK, what did you think of this one? Boy, I had so much hope for the show when I saw this. Yeah. Good match. Right person won. Yeah. Not much else to say. Uh, uh, I think it was Dave Scooby said that uh, OGK ended up winning the Impact Tag Team titles tonight. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to do for the NWA going forward. You mentioned uh, that they were challenging for the titles on the show. Oh, okay. So, I mean, well, and for those who don't know, they had actually won the tag titles before their 
either the Friday before or the Saturday of the first night of this thing because they filmed here in here in I think, uh, it was, I think it was Saturday here in Texas. So I mean, I, when this match took place, they were already the champions, right? So, but they did acknowledge that it was something that was coming up. Well, very good for OGK. Uh, you know, at least for the uh, this season of Power, they will be featured heavily on it. Uh, we don't know. Again, we don't know how that's going to play out if they're going to be contenders or what. But uh, <laughs> Luthez said he sat through night one with his ex-wife. So yeah, too long. <laughs> I mean that's on you, buddy. If you if you brought your ex-wife, that's on you. Uh, next up, we have Steamboat at the podium. Which I have a very I want to write a strongly worded letter because that's not the podium I'm used to. That's I don't know what that is, but that was not the podium. Um, well, you notice they had new ring cover, new ring apron, everything like that. So uh, new turnbuckles. They kind of got rid of the cheap look. Yeah, from, from the Crockett days, and you know they had their legacy and tradition or something like that on the thing. So it was funny because I had just read someone being critical of their ring, the way the ring looked, and it's like, well, it doesn't look that way anymore. Dave Marquez says, "I'm glad they finally made amends with Shane Douglas because the pay per view was like the black and yellow," <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Uh, Media M5 says. Uh, he paid us a compliment. He says he enjoyed tonight's show and the watch longer we did uh, on Tuesday. Uh, that's because uh, we don't kiss butt and that you guys are reasonable with your mentions. Uh, you know, what I've always said about this podcast and, and DKM's opinion, my opinion, and even Jaden's opinion, uh, it comes from the heart. We, uh, we want the NWA to succeed. We have no vested interest in the NWA except for that we've been fans of it for a very long time. Collectively, we all met on the old NWA message board about 25 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Maybe it's not quite 25, but a long time ago. And we've maintained this friendship over the years. Uh, these guys joined me on this podcast probably like in 2008 or 2009. And uh, we've always been about promoting what the NWA does and and hoping that we can help grow the brand with the NWA. Uh just the, the truth of the matter is you, I, I don't want to lie to anybody about the product. I'm not going to tell you that it's a great product when it's not. And DK certainly won't lie about it. And Jaden has no, Jaden doesn't even watch the show, uh, but Jaden yeah, is very, it's, it's that bad. I can't even watch it, but at least I'll tell you that. But Jaden is very knowledgeable about the NWA again, because his vast experience with the company uh, he's worked with the company that was once associated with the NWA. So we collectively try to give you our takes, our experience and our history with the NWA while we're talking about the podcast. And I'm not trying to get on a high horse here. Uh, there are a lot of guys out there who talk about the NWA and I have nothing but love for those guys. Like Gary Horn and Will Martin are two guys that I respect tremendously and, and have enjoyed it, my friendship with them. But, Oh, Luthes brought up redneck Taz days. You're right. But uh, we, we're here just to talk, you know, with, we talk about this with you guys or without you guys. If it was just the three of us in our chat on Facebook Messenger, we would still be having these same conversations. The only difference is we thought we sometimes we do. Yeah, the only difference is we thought we'd include you guys uh, in the last few years. 
So uh, real quick, we're going to get through the rest of this uh, power quickly because I don't want to go too much later. But uh, we get Steamboat at the podium. He mentions that there's going to be a national title tournament uh, to to claim a number one contender to challenge Scion, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know where that's going to be, if it's going to be Power or USA. Uh, remember, um, initially the national title was supposed to be presented on USA. So I would figure the tournament would be on USA, but they didn't really specify and uh, I, I feel like uh, that's a good move because you're going to create a strong challenge for that title. I don't know who it's going to be. Um, I wasn't there for the spoilers, but I, I'm excited about what's going to happen. Uh, then we get uh, Chelsea and Matt, the Cardonas, come out. And Chelsea calls Steamboat the arm drag guy. That was hot. That was great. I loved it. Uh, and he he's whining about, uh, you know, he didn't get a shot and he wants to he wants to get an opportunity to – he wants to wrestle uh, Murdoch at the pay-per-view on uh, hard times three. Uh, you know, Steamboat's trying to tell him, hey, maybe you should take some time off until you're 100% ready. And Cardona doesn't want to hear that. And uh, so it was just kind of a – I felt like it was a little disrespectful to Steamboat. He tried to make the best out of it, though, and it was a nice segment. DK, what did you think about it? I mean, it was – it was fine. I don't know that we need another tournament, but I guess it's better than some of their other weird ways of proclaiming number one contenders. I, I just don't understand why they can't just have people wrestle and then, you know, the ones that are winning a lot would challenge for a title. Get rid of 50-50 booking and have wins and losses matter, and I feel like everything would fall into place. But that's just me. Uh Next up, we get Trevor with May Valentine. Uh, first, she asked what uh, Murdoch was supposed to be out there with Steamboat, and she asked why he didn't go out there. And he says that he saw Cardona, and he doesn't even want to mess with it. Fair enough. And I was glad they explained that. Yeah. Uh, then he says that uh, you know May says, "Well, are you you know what do you feel about facing Murdoch at hard? Or, uh, excuse me." Cardona at hard times three. And he said, look, I'm going to face anyone they put in front of me. That's my job as a world champion. Love the, the promos. He's gotten a lot better with his promos since uh, adopting this more Harley race esque uh, delivery. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, well, uh, real quick, Jay, I have a question. Is may actually your cousin is say that again. May Valentine, your cousin, is she related yeah. to your uncle Greg? <laughs> No, I don't think she is. Uh, that's an inside joke, guys, and I'll explain briefly. Uh, years ago, I used to uh, tell people um, I had access to a free wrestling hotline, and I would tell people that Greg the Hammer Valentine was my uncle, and I would explain that I knew all this wrestling news because of Greg the Hammer Valentine. People believed it, and it was fun. Uh and then she asked, how does he feel after the after his match with Tyrus? And, and he explained it was the hoss fight of the century and that a, a, a war like that stays with you afterwards. And he'll be carrying that uh, match around for a while. So it was a good promo by uh, by Trevor Murdoch. DK, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, this is the character we wanted the first time around. Yes. If we would have got this the first time around, I don't think we would have needed Matt Cardona. Right. Um, next up, this is one of the most embarrassing, idiotic, stupidest things I've seen that the NWA tried to do. I can't believe they did it. 
especially after uh, all the pomp and circumstances that were uh, given to Josephus after he passed away. Aaron Stevens coming out there, you know, talking like a jive turkey and brings out Rodney Mack with a question mark mask. And during his promo mentions that, you know, copyrights, he has the copyrights, he has the trademarks and, you know, it's what's best for business. And, and uh, you can't prove it's not the question mark. And this was just so tasteless and such bullshit. And I really hated this segment. Like this is the first time that I almost just turned off the show and said, fuck it, I'm done. Um, and I'm not even the biggest Josephus fan. Our boy, Ron Gibson was. And if Ron Gibson saw this, he probably, that, that probably would have killed him. Um, this was just terrible. And there's no need to do it. Rodney Mack is a, an extremely capable wrestler. This was stupid. Was uh, fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon not available? Yeah, I guess not. And, like, look, if, if you're going to do it, if, if you're really going to desecrate the legacy that Josephus had, why not get somebody who would fit the, the motif a little bit better? Maybe, like, I don't know, the Thrillbilly. You put a question mark mask on him, and at least he would resemble a little bit more like Josephus. Uh, but I thought this was just classless, tasteless. This is almost – this is worse than Gags the Gimp. I thought this was just shit. DK? Uh, look, Gags the Gimp is terrible just because it's a terrible gimmick. This is downright disrespectful, almost on the thing of being cruel, you know, if his family sees something like this. You know, I haven't held back. I – you know, Billy basically fired Joseph Hudson for being honest with him. And then after he after he dies, Billy suddenly decides to talk about what great friends they were and how to, you know, honor some of the pay-per-view and all these great things. And then I don't know whose idea this was. I don't know if it was Billy's I but he signed off on it no matter what. I don't know if it was Aaron Stevens, but any, even Rodney Mack, I'm disappointed in. Anybody who would agree to be a part of this, you know, fuck off. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, you know, like, I don't think that if you, if you honestly think about it, I don't think Josephus would have been okay with this. Like, I think he would have been offended by it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know what, what the goal is. Sure, they're trying to get heat, but this is the worst possible way to do it. Um, all right. Next up, we get the question, Mac, versus uh, Devin Graves. And, and Devin Graves has already been beaten by uh, Rodney Mack. It was his first appearance in the NWA, and Rodney Mack beat the hell out of him. Um, this match was, again trying to use the Josephus moveset. It's insulting to Rodney Mack. It's insulting to the legacy of Josephus. I, I just, this was stupid. And this is where the show just, just took a, an absolute shit. Um, so, yeah, uh, the question Mack wins. All right, hooray. Uh, next up, we have May in the back with EC3. Um, and this was kind of a good spot where EC3 is cutting a promo about about Tom 
about the NWA, how he wants to win the world's heavyweight championship and then throw it in the trash can and burn it. And honestly, after that promo, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Excuse me, not promo, um, wrestling match. Um, uh, again, this is a, you know, you got EC3, who's a guy who's good at talking on the mic, a good promo. And I think that this was a good way to build more towards that uh, EC3, the control your narrative invasion of the NWA, even though he said it's not an invasion. Uh, and uh, he specifically said that uh, May says, well, hey, would you face Tom again? He said no, which I thought was good. Um, what did you think of the, of the promo, DK? It was fun for what it was. I mean, I can't really say that it was anything special one way or the other. Um, next up, we had uh, Tom in the ring taking on somebody who I don't think we've seen before in Chris Signs or Chris Size. I'm not sure what they called him. Uh, this was a like Size looks like he has a ton of potential. Moderately sized guy has some muscle on him. Um, he looks like a wrestler, uh, but I don't know that this was the best showcase for him because Tom Latimer just beat the shit out of him. Uh, good victory for Tom. Uh, not so much a good uh, debut for for uh, Chris size again, matches like this, I think should be exclusive to USA. I don't think you should bring somebody in to make their debut on power without at first competing on USA, but that's just a me thing. What did you think of this one? DK? Latimer one. I was happy. I mean, it was obviously an enhancement match to help get Latimer over. He needed it. It accomplished its purpose. Uh, that takes us to uh, Flip versus Nick in the back. And uh, you know, this was kind of an awkward promo because you don't really think of Flip and Nick as pals, but they're sitting there palling about. And they're both very unhappy with Odinson, as I would be too if I got pounced by Odinson. Uh, Flip says, I didn't know who you were, but I know who you are now. And Alda says, you're just trying to make your name off of my at my expense. This was a whatever promo. Uh, DK, your thoughts? It was short, and so that was beneficial for a Nick Aldis segment. I mean, I, I'm going to give Nick Aldis some credit. He hasn't been around much recently. You know, we've been saying he needs to disappear, and after that, uh, being kicked out of the title match and whatever is going on in real life or not going on in real life. You know, he hasn't been around. So, you know, in that sense, that's good. Talked a little too long in the pay-per-view, but at least the promo was good. He was here. I don't know that I can be excited about him versus Odinson, but at least he was sharing with stage somebody else and it wasn't very long. So, I mean, I, you know, some of the changes that we have said uh, seem to have uh, at least been in place recently. So I, I'm not going to be overly critical of it. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the main event. And, uh, you know, so this one wasn't as offensive as the uh as question question mac but i just felt like this was a waste of time 
Um, there are so many guys on this roster who would benefit from a rub by beating Matt Cardona, even if it was by disqualification or even if it was by someone cheating. And this could have been anybody on the roster. This could have been Jordan Clearwater. It could have been Matthew Mims. It could have been, it could have been the Thrill Billy Silas. It could have been so many different people that would have meant something. But they put it on Ronaldo. And now I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Ronaldo is going to be a serious contender for any title in the NWA, even the junior heavyweight title. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will get it. Uh, no. I don't think so. But this is, again, it's just like, why are we doing this? When there's other guys who desperately need to get uh, a step up, you're putting it on a guy who's a manager, uh, somebody who's a joke. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to say that Ronaldo as a human being is a joke, but they're not going to go anywhere with this. And eventually he'll get beat up by by the uh, Cardona family, and they'll get his comeuppance. And then he'll probably not be on TV anymore. Um, however, Ronaldo proved to be relentless in this match. He took a lot of punishment from uh, Matt Cardona. Uh, Matt was very uh, intent on hurting him using foreign objects. Uh, at some point, even, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mike Knox was ringside. Rush Freeman was ringside. VSK comes out. It gets chaotic. Um but I just didn't, I couldn't dislike this match anymore. Uh, we get the finish when uh, we think, uh, we think it's all coming down. Cardona's going to get that victory. Uh, you've got uh, Ronaldo who looks just laid up. And then we have the world's heavyweight champion, Trevor Murdoch, do the bulldog off the top rope, put uh, Cardona out, drags Ronaldo's lifeless body over Cardona. One, two, three. And that's that. Yeah, I mean, whereas the question mark thing was, it was funny, I was looking at results on a web page and they didn't even address it. Yeah. They call, they just said Rodney Mack the entire time. They didn't say anything about whatever. And I'm only talking about it because of how disgusting it was. Uh, this, this is just an insult to anybody's intelligence. The, especially after the first match. Yeah. If you wanted to book this match with the same basic outcome, this is what you do. Cardona kicks him, pile drives him, stands up and gloats. Uh... Murdoch comes in, hits his bulldog, puts Rolando over him because it's no disqualification. You don't even have to hide the fact. You know, he did it behind the rough's back, but he didn't need to. You know, you know, does it. Uh, Freeman runs in and stops Kratos from, or not Kratos, uh, Mike Knox from stopping the count. And then grabs his big brother and puts him over his thing and they run to the back. Yeah. That's how you book that. And this is one of those, these are the type of things that Cardona does. I mean, this isn't just Billy. This is, this has some Cardona fingerprints on it. 
And these are some of the things that happen why I can't take seriously him. And I don't see him as a savior. And I don't know that he necessarily puts the asses in the seats that people think he does. And I actually think his time of that has kind of run. Yeah. You know, because I think he overexposed himself. A hundred percent. He was and, everywhere. And so, and he loses a lot. And, and he wrestles stupid things. I mean, you know, five foot two woman in impact, uh, you know, Rolando here, you know, at least her own grace, you know, outweighed, you know, Rolando, but it's just so much ridiculousness. And, you know, if, if there's any way to, if there's any way to kill Matt Cardona from being taken seriously, this is the way you do it. So, yeah. If there's the rematch between him and Trevor, my God, Trevor better win. Because if you put the title back on Cardona, then you're putting it just on a complete choke. Yeah. Uh, Jaden, I know you just got back on. Uh, you heard what we had to say about the match. Do you have anything you want to add about Cardona putting over Ronaldo? I can make money with Cardona. As long as I didn't let Cardona do his Cardona stuff. Uh, I think that right then and there is the problem with the NWA. Because if Billy isn't letting doing his stupid things, he's letting people do their own stupid thing. And none of it's making any money. And I don't see the segment making any money or drawing a crowd or making a star. So if there's television time used to be really valuable. 30 seconds of TV time on a network television station was something that cost a small fortune, even like if it was a smaller network, a UHF network. Uh, if this was on TV, would that be worth the investment? No, it's not even worth it on pay-per-view. It's not worth it on fight TV. Uh, so it shouldn't have happened. Simple. I mean, look, everything that is being done story-wise, if you're doing a story, everything that you're doing should have one purpose, sell a ticket. Okay, sure, Murdoch in, you know, interfered and cost them the victory, but they had a match. And the little guy even got some offense in. This doesn't make me want to see him in a world heavyweight title match. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I keep thinking of uh, Bobby Heenan talking about Gorilla Monsoon and goes, if you're not in this business to make money, you're an idiot or, yeah. or, or, or whichever word you use. And it's just like, are, are you in this to make money? Because sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Don't tell me you're, don't tell me you're the top three. Don't tell me you're on the same level as WWE and AEW. And how, you know, things are, I mean, the only way you're on the same level as them is that, you know, your booking can suck as much as theirs does. Well, and, and, and that's just it, you know, like they wouldn't do this kind of booking. This would not, not your number one contender for the world title. And we're talking about like, uh, you know, someone that's further down the roster. Sure. Someone that's less, uh, you know, more disposable. Sure. You know, Hornswoggle beat people, but he never beat like uh, Roman Reigns. He never beat uh, 
you know, Daniel Bryan. He never beat the top echelon of the roster. He beat guys that were a joke or, or were just used in that role. You know, anyways, we, we spent way too much time talking about that as it is. I think now is a good time to say good night to end our show. You know, guys, we do appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, the majority of you here were like pretty much here all night. Uh, so I'm very impressed. I'm glad uh, we have some some new folks jumping in here, like uh, uh, James Bell. I hadn't seen you on here before. Uh, Kakushi came back tonight. Um, Medium Five. I think this might be the first time you've been here for a Saturday night or a Thursday night. Excuse me. Uh, we had a guy Folsom in here. Appreciate all of you guys being on the show tonight, joining us in the chat. Uh, we'll be back. Oh, oh real quick. Uh, Dave Scooby has something he wants to say. The match at 74 had a one, two, three kid feel to it, but to continue the storyline to power was idiotic. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair, but um, we're going to wrap it up. So again, thank you for everyone for tuning in real quick. Uh, DKM, how can they follow you on the socials? At DKM FWTX. And Mr. Jade. Twitter's the primary place where I talk about wrestling mr jade i know you're not on social media but the uh wrestling promotion you work for is uh you want to plug uh, dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators well the next event is going to be friday evening at the south delcy park located at 152 delcy drive south or south delcy drive in glassboro new jersey it's not rustic just south, just glassboro not uptown <laughs> not downtown just glassboro new jersey it is a free event Main event has been signed. It will pitch the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators heavyweight champion, Busky Eric Martin, defending <laughs> against everybody's favorite wrestler, Daredevil Dave Dahl, in a Pittman versus Glassboro match. Sounds like that's going to be a fun time. Uh, I guess that's the only way uh, Dave Dahl would ever get a shot at the titles if you're putting city versus city. Well, it is a Glassboro event, and everybody hates Pittman, so... I already hate Dave Dahl. It sounds like it's a perfect fit. Uh, you could find out more information in the coming weeks for that show. Just visit uh, pro, excuse me, uh, dogprowrestling.com and uh, follow their social medias on there. Make sure you give them a like on Facebook, uh, you know, follow on uh, Instagram and, and Twitter and subscribe to their YouTube channel. A lot of good content coming out on that channel. Uh, I just talked real quick too. They uploaded two matches that are going to go live tomorrow and Saturday. And it's going to be the match with Eric Martin versus alpha dog, Adam Chandler and the match with Ty Thomas versus Nikos Rikos. I quit. So now you're going to see what's happening. What I was talking about, you're going to see what's caused and all this and uh, check it out and like comment and subscribe and make sure to send me lots of money. (laughs) Lots of money. All right, guys, until then, We'll be back here on Tuesday for the pre-party, but uh, we'll see you at the matches. Wait, hold on a second. Why did that work? Uh, Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.